Hi everyone! Before the episode starts, I wanted to give yet another update. The show has been monthly for the past two months, and to be honest, I don't like having such infrequent episodes. So I decided that starting in 2022, the show will go back to two episodes a month until it's no longer feasibly possible to do so. If you'd like to help the show continue with more consistent releases, consider checking out and supporting the Patreon, as support there is what makes this show possible. You'll get some cool perks like being able to to listen to episodes a week early, having access to an after show where I break down the session with the guest, being part of an experimental roleplay group, and other cool stuff. Links for that are in the description. Anyway, enough of me talking. Here is the episode. Hello, my name is Rasputin, and this is Once Upon a Roll, a D&D podcast where I play a session of 5th edition, each episode with a new guest in the kingdom of Cortia, a homebrew setting I've been using for like over four years now. This week, I am joined with the wonderful Eurothug 4000, also known as Maria. Maria, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you doing? Uh, you know, good. I'm playing D&D. Uh, anytime <laughs> I play D&D, it's usually pretty good. How might people know you on the internet? So I make videos on YouTube about video games and how I feel about them. Interesting. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone doing that. <laughs> Oh, it's a new thing. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> and they also might know me from shitposting on Twitter. So yeah, yeah. one of those. I mean, both both things I think you are an expert at. Uh, <laughs> I think, and this has nothing to do with D&D, people in the video essay community, some of the, who come off as the most thoughtful folks, are also just the most relentless shitposters on Twitter. <laughs> And, and, and seeing that difference in identity of just like watching one of your very thoughtful, calming essays and then going over to Twitter and just seeing like goblin level posting <laughs> is one of my favorite things. Uh. Yeah, I, I need the balance. I can't keep yeah. up one or the other. It's got to be even. Exactly, exactly. Can't go too much one way. Yeah. What's your experience with D&D? Non-existent. Literally nothing. Never played it. I watched like a couple videos just to understand it for this, <laughs> but apart from that, yeah, zero experience. Interesting. Never even like someone being like, hey, we should get a group together. And you're like, yeah. And then it never happens. Or... No, never, never. This is the first time. Well, this will go fantastic. Uh, <laughs> no way anything could possibly <laughs> uh, go wrong with it. It will be interesting for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited and and not to give any spoilers about the episode coming up. I think you've picked a very different kind of character than literally anyone has picked on the show so far, <laughs> hitting some new territory. <laughs> That's good to know. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> With that, let's jump into this episode of Once Upon a Roll. The kingdom of Cortia has thrived for over a thousand years. In that time, it has endured war against powerful enemies, outlasted deadly feuds between its lords, and fought against evil both of this plane and others. However, during the most recent festival of the autumn sun, the sage's ritual revealed a nearly forgotten omen, the sign of Black Sun, a symbol only seen once before, and it almost led to the destruction of Cortia. Panicked, the common folk in the capital city rioted, and when the dust settled, the king was dead, and his two children had disappeared in the night. The lord of the city of Edgewood, Tom Dunn, 
restored peace to the capital, and with no heirs of the king anywhere to be seen, he decided to sit the throne and take the position of Lord Regent. This story, however, takes place four weeks after the Festival of the Autumn Sun, on the outskirts of the Cade Mouth Swamp, a hundred miles or so north of the capital. Most would call the area around the swamp unremarkable. A few small villages, an infrequently traveled road, and a lot of muck and mess. But to you, it feels like a lively metropolis. And that's because you grew up in the swamp itself, in the Bullywug Kingdom of Timrek. It has been a fine life, good mud, good bugs, and plenty of lily pads to rest on. But as you've gotten older, you found yourself wanting more than what Timrek can offer. You want better mud, better bugs, and new lily pads to lay your head on. All you really need is an opportunity. And that opportunity came the other day as you were doing a patrol on the edge of the swamp and found a poster about a missing child from the village of Katerin. Katerin is the largest village in the area, and it doesn't have all that much to it, although for a bullywug like you, it would seem quite big, because imagine most of the buildings, quote-unquote buildings you've seen, are like hollowed-out trees, uh, nothing man-made or all that massive. So it seems like a lot of space, a city like that, maybe 20 or so buildings, mostly homes, uh, but also the typical sorts of stores and craftsman shops found in most towns. At this moment, I would say you interested in this poster of, of maybe finding a missing child because at the bottom of it, most notably, it said reward, which interested you the most. You'd be on the outskirts of this town, kind of trying to figure out how you might want to enter it to potentially help this cause and collect this reward. So uh, why don't you tell me, kind of as you're standing there, what do you look like? T tell me about your character. So I'm a Bullywug, uh, which is basically about a child-sized frog <laughs> creature. Mm -hmm. And he's wearing a little cloak and he's got a uh, container of water next to him because he needs to keep his skin moist at all times. So just like a mason jar, like yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But okay. apart from that, he's completely naked. So <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, I mean that's normal in bullywug yeah, culture, yeah. Uh, naturally. I mean the cloak's extra, so yeah, <laughs> that's how he blends it <laughs> <laughs> with the humans. But yeah, as as you kind of stand there looking out, what do you want to do? How do you want to try to enter this town? Well, I probably don't want to get spotted. Mm -hmm. Because then you get so many people staring at you because, you know, you're obviously a uh, a large frog. <laughs> people stare. Yeah. So I'm going to try going through the back through like one of the water drainage areas. And is there a spot specifically you, you want to try to get to? Are there sewers in this town? No, no. Okay. I mean, there's definitely, you know, stuff dug out for drainage, but it, it's, it's certainly instead of having any sort of thing where waste automatically is deposited there, it's, it's, mm. the, it's a small enough town where everyone is, you know, carrying their shit outside and <laughs> throwing it uh, <laughs> into um, drains and whatnot, things like that. So glamorous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just somewhere out of the way. So no main streets. Okay preferably in somewhere very damp 
<laughs> Got it. If that exists. Is the general goal to just kind of get closer to the city, listen in a bit and see like yeah. what exactly is going on with Okay. Yeah, just to sort of scout out a bit. All right. Uh, roll a stealth check for me. 28. Tw- 20, 28? Yeah. Is that a nat? Tw- oh my is, is God. Is that high? <laughs> That's uh, that's I think that's that's very high. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, okay, so yeah, that's a nat 20 and then your stealth is like plus 8. Yeah, uh cuz you are you are a uh, rogue. Yeah. That makes okay. a lot of sense. That's amazing. That's an amazing first D&D roll. Uh yes, <laughs> as if you are it, like what time of day do you want to be approaching, by the way? Preferably nighttime or evening. Okay. Yeah, so as the sun is kind of setting enough where you can hide in shadow, yeah, uh, but also enough to see, you just blend in, moving quickly and swiftly with no issue, just jumping kind of from building to building, you know, jumping into barrels, uh, <laughs> hopping yeah. around and using kind of your bullywog abilities to almost kind of camouflage into your surroundings to stay perfectly hidden (laughs) yeah same with the cloak i can just kind of pull it over a little bit if someone spots me Mm -hmm. as you're moving you know you see like a few people walking down the village you get to a spot and just like kind of put the cloak over you which makes you then look like uh just a you know a pile of covered fruit or something like (laughs) next to one of the walls Uh, just every every moment that someone might spot you you just find the perfect way to blend in and not be seen yeah with a 28 which is a great role you can kind of hide probably about anywhere you want in this town nothing is going to spot you 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 just have the right feeling for it do you want to camp out where people are gathering to try to like listen in yeah. or just be further away to observe? So maybe somewhere like an inn, if there's one mm-hmm. in the town. Yeah. Given the high number for the roll, I'm guessing I can probably get away with just hiding in the corner <laughs> next to some boxes. <laughs> just jump through the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then... Okay. Here's what I'll have, because that's going to be kind of making a... You know, this is like your outside check. <laughs> oh, okay. I need to do another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So all right. what I'll say is like you kind of look around this this village, again, mostly houses, but definitely a few of those craftsman shops. And, and clearly what you look, it seems to be an inn. People, multiple people are kind of going in and out. It's like the only two-story building in town. And, and you can see there's like a tavern room. Like I'd say you'd be able to hop up to the window with no issue and like see there's a tavern room and a stairs up that goes up to probably leading to bedrooms with the nat 20 being the first one and you just having such a good position here i'll say to kind of like hop in and try to hide in the corner i'll have you do another stealth check but this one will be at advantage okay let me do that yeah i got 16 lucky for you i mean (laughs) you have plus eight which means (laughs) that even when you even that which is not a great roll turns into a very solid number you know you certainly don't have the freedom of the wide open village that you did before and and the darkness uh, that you did before to move through but you are able to kind of quickly lift the window close it and then hop in the corner and just like cover yourself next to some barrels trying to probably look like a potato sack (laughs) to the best of your ability yeah or even if i pull a, a, a cool pose and i just look like an ornament i just stay very still (laughs) <laughs> Try to look like a uh, taxidermied blue yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um 
<laughs> I would say looking around, uh, roll roll a perception check. Okay. Uh, I got five okay. for perception. Yeah, you uh, you don't really get a good look around the room to see if there are other like taxidermied things here, you know? <laughs> if that would fit in well, you know, you just standing still. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll just uh, hide under my cloak. Yeah, you uh, hide under your cloak. I imagine that you probably haven't been to villages all that often, but you've probably done something like this before, right? Yeah, yeah. In in search for more bugs, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of, yeah. You see all these people ga- gathering at taverns, and you're like, there must be good bugs in there. Like, why else? Yeah, you get really <laughs> great fruit flies going there? and cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you get in the corner, uh, kind of roll behind a barrel, put your cloak over you, and just start listening in. Um, as, as you have learned that these taverns, while sometimes a good source for fruit flies and cockroaches, also a good source for information. And yeah, as, as you just sit there for a while, trying not to move much, uh, the window did make a little bit of a sound as it closed, which like as you quickly glanced over, saw, like did draw the attention of the innkeep who like looked over, but didn't see you. Uh, just heard like the little noise of it going shut and like would have walked over to it and be like, damn, window's broken again. Uh, <laughs> and like lift it up and down and like, oh, whatever. And uh, goes back. <laughs> As you sit there, just listening in, um, I imagine after probably about 10 minutes, you know, you hear various conversation, most of it being light, like, ah, oh, how was the, the work on the farm today? Blah, blah, blah. Nothing all that interesting. And at this point, I'd say your skin is starting to feel very dry. Oh, no. Could I quickly douse myself in water? With uh, my little uh, container. Yeah. So, yeah. But out of sight. It has to be very quick. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll have you do... Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do two checks. The first is going to be sleight of hand, which is going to be like how well you can like get this on you without <laughs> doing it loudly. Yeah. And then from there, I'll have you do a stealth check that you'll either have advantage or disadvantage on depending on how well the sleight of hand goes. Okay, I'll do the sleight of hand now. That's a 20 for sleight of hand. Oh yeah. You are very, very quiet. There is some movement naturally uh, <laughs> under your cloak, but it's minimal. Uh, and you also do a good job of like not letting any water splash on the ground. And I'll say you probably have about like, as you kind of like, you know, make sure it gets all over you know, your head and, and, and chest. Probably about half your water left. Okay, yeah. I'll need to refill that. Yeah, I'll have you make a stealth check. Okay. At advantage. So that's uh, 20 for stealth. You are able to keep it cool, keep it calm. Not the first time you've been hiding and uh, started giving your dry, yeah. bully water. having uh, to moisturize. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mo- moisturizing <laughs> is very important. Yeah, so you kind of just sit back and relaxed now and and feeling comfortable enough start to listen in and as time goes on uh, the conversation starts to shift from the pleasantries to a little bit more fear there's a moment where you know uh two of the people talking start to move to the conversation of the missing child 
which, uh, as you probably kind of, you know, at this moment, because it's opportune for the narrative and the <laughs> the film version of this, you know, as they're saying this and you kind of are holding uh, your flyer, you see that the name of the missing child is Delton Donnell that this flyer was for. But as they're talking, they seem to be saying that, like, multiple children have been vanishing, that every single night a child has vanished from the town without any trace or warning. It just seems like maybe the Donald family is a little wealthier and was able to get these things printed uh, and, and start trying to put information out. Or maybe they were the first ones or one of the first ones to have their child be lost. Hmm. So so more rewards, possibly. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. As these two talk, a few others kind of chime into the conversation. All in all, at this point, five children have been taken. Uh, so it's pretty much been every night for this past week. And, and each person is kind of coming at it with like, oh, it must be this. You know, some people are like, oh, it must have something to do with the sign of Black Sun that happened at the Autumn Festival. Uh, others are saying, oh, must be malicious spirits in the area. And a handful of the folks believe that the children must have been taken by a nearby tribe of bullywugs. <gasps> We'd never do that. Probably. Unless there were bugs involved. <laughs> roll? Uh, yeah, you don't even know, need a roll for this. You would know well enough. Uh, the, your bullywug tribe, at least, would not be aggressors in this sort of way, mm. you know? Certainly, you know, if if a caravan of humans were riding through the swamp, you know, that's your right to attack them, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but going into a human village and stealing children is certainly, you would know, not common practice for your Bullywog tribe. That... That is the only nearby Bullywog tribe. Yeah, definitely. It's not common. Obviously, like, as humans are also bad sometimes, while it's, you know, while it wouldn't be <laughs> common for humans to do this or anything, it still happens. And same with, you know, there are there are really shitty Bullywogs uh, <laughs> as well. But yeah, you would be like, our tribe wouldn't do that. Like, <laughs> stop talking trash. <laughs> are you completely, like head hidden um or are you trying to like look at the people at all in i've got the hood of my cloak up mm -hmm. so yeah pretty hidden um okay but if it's pretty dark uh in the inn and it's just candlelight i could get away maybe uh with trying to talk to one of the people who seem to know or seem to have a confident opinion of what happened to the children Okay. Roll a perception check. Uh, I got eight for perception. Okay. With an eight, as you look around, you aren't—you certainly aren't confident that it's dark enough in here. It's—I mean, it is getting darker outside, which has brought the light down in here. There are like a handful of candles and one or two torches. You know, you're like, okay, yeah, maybe it's dark enough, but you know, maybe. Hmm. I could try uh, saying that I have a skin condition. If the people in the inn are drunk enough, I can maybe get away with that. Certainly possible. You, you can certainly try. <laughs> okay. Uh, so do you just kind of, you, you're just going to wait out people, you know, 
have them drink a few more, get a few more in their cups. and Yeah, I'll wait until they've uh, had a bit more to drink, and then I'll, I'll approach. Got it. Hood very obscure. Yes, and definitely. Wrapped around you enough where none of your naked bully walk. <laughs> you probably wait, probably have to wait a good while until, you know, they, they seem to start drinking for the lost folks. Um and, and eventually this leads into a fair amount of drunkenness around the bar. Uh, I imagine you're kind of like peeking out, like looking. Uh, you are seeing that it does also, as more night comes, it does get a little darker. But yeah, definitely a handful of candles spread throughout are keeping, keeping light uh, coming in. You look and you definitely see one figure not drunk, that being the bartender. Um, so... Yeah, I need to try and keep my back facing him at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you look out, uh, I'll, I'll say, like, this doesn't even need a perception check because it's just kind of looking around the bar. You would notice kind of a group all around a table who, like, it seemed like it started just as those two voices you heard, like, talking about what's been going on. And, you know, as happens in small villages... One person overhears and then comes over. I heard it's this, you know, and then uh, at this point, it's probably like six or seven people. there, all drinking uh, heavily. You also see one man who's kind of like leaning on the bar, like head down. You can't fully tell if he's passed out. There is like a mug of ale next to him. He definitely seems downtrodden. You pretty much just get a look at his back, which is quite built, very broad shoulders, and you see a little blonde hair coming down that looks pretty messy and, and dirty, uh, and he, he seems pretty down on his luck at the moment. Uh, I'd say at this point, you're like, this is as <laughs> drunk, uh, and, and unless I you, you were to do anything, uh, about as dark as it's going to get. Yeah. So I'll approach him. First of all, try and get his attention by shaking him, see if he responds, depending on how drunk he is. You walk over, doing your best, like lifting your bullywog frog arm, but like in a way where it's still kind of in your cloak. Uh, <laughs> head down, you, you give a little touch on the back and, and he's pretty much stirred immediately and he kind of sits up straight. Uh, you see at his side that he like sat down next to uh, his spot in the bar, like a long sword and, and a shield next to it. And he's like, oh, what, what? And he kind of looks over at you at what he expects to be like a normal human height and then is, uh, <laughs> looks down and kind of blinks at you. Seems fairly, fairly drunk. Um, uh, but yeah, you, as you look at him, he has the look of a, of a man who spent a lot of time being handsome. But in this moment, uh, seems very worn by whatever must be going on in his life um, in, in recent times. He has blonde hair that you can tell probably used to have a very nice uh, a coiffed middle part, but it has kind of fallen flat on his head. Uh, a strong jaw that has a little too much of a... You know, it's at like a seven o'clock shadow, right? Like just a little too much where it's it's no longer like kind of nice looking. It's it's between that spot of being an actual beard and uh, five o'clock shadow. And he kind of squints at you. Yes. What do you need? Uh, I'll start by asking for his name. He, he kind of squints at you again. <laughs> um, 
My name is Jonathan Fairgood. I'll ask, uh, how is he doing on this fine night? Uh, poor. What, what, what do you mean? You don't, are you from around here? No, I, I, um, I come from far away. Everyone, uh, my entire family's quite short, uh, so I, I'd appreciate uh, if you stopped staring at me like that. I'm going to have you at this moment make the deception check <laughs> to see how well you kind of are covered up, uh, have your back perfect to other people. Yes, let's try that. Uh, 11 for deception. He kind of looks at you. He certainly doesn't... Uh, <laughs> he doesn't have, like, full understanding of you yet. You know, he kind of... He, he can't get a good look on your face as you are down low as much like probably uh, using a little bit of the shadow of the bar to, <laughs> to obscure your face. And, and he does seem drunk enough uh, where, where it's hard for him to tell, but he's definitely not like fully like, oh, I trust this person. <laughs> you still seem like a kind of mysterious stranger to him. I'll just go straight and ask him if he knows anything about the missing children. Uh, yeah. As you ask him about the missing children, you see kind of just like a look of sadness on his face and he reaches for his mug of ale, which he goes to drink and then looks and sees that it's empty and kind of taps it on the bar and the bartender comes over and pours it in. I'll ask him if he was related uh, to any of the children. He uh, nods. My, my, my daughter and I have been traveling and we stopped in this village for about a two weeks and uh, they, they took her. When did she go missing? Two nights ago. Mm. Where were you in town when she went missing? Been staying at this inn the whole time. Okay. And who who are you? Uh, my name's Anthony. Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> he nods. I can help you find your daughter. It will be in both of our best interests, if we do. Roll a persuasion check. 17 for persuasion. He uh, squints his eyes for a bit, still like, you know, he seems like he's trying to get a good read on you. Uh, oftentimes when a mysterious hooded figure comes up to you, uh, it's a little nerve wracking. He seems a little drunk enough, though, where there might be like three of you right now, you know, <laughs> like just kind of spitting around. That would be... Wonderful. Not many people in this town have much experience with saving maidens and, 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 and the like. I certainly could use assistance. Of course. So what do you know about the night that your daughter went missing? Any leads or any information we can use? Well, I don't know that there's anything that you could find that, that I wasn't able to. And he gives a little hiccup. But no, she, we got rooms at the end. She had her own and... I've since searched it, but there were no signs of anything. She just vanished. Do you mind if I check the room? Roll an insight check for me. Okay. Five for insight. He's kind of like thinking this over. He's a little too drunk to fully for you to fully be like un understand kind of what's going through his head. Granted, I'd say in general, you've seen as, as drunk as he is right now, he does seem to have kind of like a proud air to him normally. Mm. But he says, I... I suppose you could take a look, but you won't find anything. Okay. Does he have the keys for the for the room, or is it already open? He would have kept the key, uh, so he would hand it over to you. Okay, cool. Uh, with that, then, uh, I'll head upstairs to the rooms. Uh, he would say, would you 
like me to come with, or...? Yeah, he can he can come with and stand by the door while I search. Oh, he kind of, like, lifts himself up. It seems like he maybe hasn't stood up for eight-plus hours <laughs> and has largely just been at this bar drinking, uh, feeling like a failure in some way. And he kind of gets up and, like, stumbles to the left a bit, stumbles to the right. Um, the bartender looks like, you good? And, and luckily for you, as the bartender, the only sober person here looks over, like, you're below his line of sight, because you're, like, beneath the bar, so he doesn't even clock you at all. Yeah. And uh, Fairgood just puts in, yes, yes, I'm fine. Onward! Uh, and, and follows you uh, up the stairs. Could you direct me to what room it is? Yes, yes. He kind of, like, puts a hand out to take the key back. Uh, I'll hand over the key. Uh, he walks up the stairs... Uh, kind of like looks at each of the rooms. Ah, this is the one. Uh, puts the key in, turns the lock. It doesn't open. Uh, and, and you hear a voice on the other end. Get out of here. This is not your room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. And he uh, walks down another two. It's like, ah, this is the one. Yeah, uh, turns it. Click. It opens up. I'll go inside and check the room. All right. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like a pretty small room. As you kind of walk down the hallway, you probably saw that there... On this story, there were probably about eight rooms, and a lot of them seem to be kind of these single bed rooms. Uh, you get the sense, and I imagine just in your time in the swamp, you've seen plenty of like small travelers just moving through, a lot of adventurers who don't need big rooms or anything big, just a spot to lay their head. Uh, and this is a single bed room, probably about like six feet by six feet really not big pretty much enough space for a bed a little chest to store things in and a little stretching room mm. it's massive for you i suppose as <laughs> you're like wow humans live in places this massive <laughs> uh are there any windows at all uh there is one window yeah okay uh i'll check the window uh roll an investigation check uh, 14 for investigation. Uh, yeah, as you go over to the window and take like a close look, getting very, very up in, like just right next to it. It's not obvious by any means, but you see a little like scratch mark there. Mm, is that from a claw or a weapon or tool of sorts? I would say it is hard for you to determine uh, in this moment as you're looking at it. Okay. But all those things would come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly doesn't look like it's just a nick made by opening and closing the window. Right. Okay. Are there any other obvious marks on the window itself? No, pretty much just a couple scratches like along the base there. Nothing too deep. Okay. Uh, I'll try checking the chest in the room. The chest, as you go to open it, is locked. Okay. Uh, I'll ask Fairgood for the if where the key is for the chest. Um, I believe that that would be on Leah. She would have had it with her. Okay. Well, you're a big guy, can't you? Uh, smash it open. That would be destroying the private property of the tavern well what matters more to you your daughter or a chest uh, roll a <laughs> persuasion check i'll give you advantage because that's a good line uh 14 per for persuasion 
Okay. He is just drunk enough where it'd be like, fine, fine. Uh, and he, you know, the sword he had next to him at the bar, you see it picked it up and brought it with him. Uh, he doesn't go to smash it per se, <laughs> uh, but he does like kind of jab it into the like crease where the opening would be and try to like use his body weight and leverage to just like yeah, pop it open. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, uh, he rolled the nat 20 on this. So <laughs> it just like uh, a loud goes off and you see it just kind of pop open and uh, the lock and latch system itself is completely broken uh, and it just bounces open. Uh, I'll check inside the chest. As you look in the chest, you see a ring, a very fancy ring with some sort of crest on it that you don't recognize, but you imagine it's some human nonsense. Mm. Uh, I'll pick it up and show it to Fairgood and ask if he recognizes it. Uh, as you show it, he, you see his eyes kind of like go, oh, shit. Uh, and he kind of like just goes <laughs> to try to grab it from your hand. Uh, I'll ask him again, what is this ring? Uh, I'll have you make it. You're going to do competing because he's trying to grab it from you as you're oh, saying okay. this. And like, I imagine just pulling it back. You're going to make competing dexterity checks. So you just make a dex check. He will be at disadvantage because he's drunk. Okay. Uh, 25 for dexterity. Yeah, he couldn't possibly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he, like, goes to grab for it, but, like, before, like, his hand even moves forward an inch, you've already, like, kind of hopped back and, like, <laughs> moved the ring further back. And you ask again, uh, what is that? Yep. I'll keep asking until he answers. <laughs> it's just a family heirloom of ours. Yes, ours. Uh, and why is it locked up in a chest? It's valuable. You never know what might happen in a town like this. She keeps it hidden. Mm. Do you have one of your own? I lost mine. Hmm. Where did you lose yours? I'm going to have you make an insight check. Okay. The DC is quite low. <laughs> uh, six for insight. He says, as we headed through the forest, uh, and it is like, just the worst lie. It does, like, <laughs> it, he, he is trying to invent it quickly. He did not have a plan for this. I'm going to need you to be honest with me if you're ever going to see your daughter again. So you need to explain to me what this ring is and why you're not telling me the truth. Uh, roll persuasion at advantage. You kind of have him in a corner. Seems like his options aren't all that many at this point. 17 for persuasion. Yeah. He kind of looks at you and then sighs and uh, sits down on the bed. Leah is not my daughter. I've been traveling with her and protecting her. She is a duchess. She's the Duchess of Tantalbur. We were in the capital a few weeks back and the riots happened and people died and nobles, especially nobles in favor of the royal family, were being targeted. So I have been escorting her north to somewhere safe. Mm. And we got here and she was kidnapped. And you see him kind of put his hand in his face. Good work, fair good, good work. So do you think that her disappearance might be to do with someone searching for a royal member of the family? He shrugs. That's what I thought at first. He gives a little hiccup. But the thing is, um, 
other children being taken in town. You know, it doesn't quite make sense that all of these children here would have been taken as well. Mm. Of course, maybe if they didn't know who they were looking for. Yeah. Did she ever say anything before her disappearance or act in a suspicious way at all? He kind of thinks it over. Suspicious, no. I mean, we certainly haven't always gotten along the best, but have relied on each other for the past few weeks. She wouldn't just run away. Is there anyone else who saw her? Or did she just stay in this room the whole time? Well, we came into town together and met a few people. Largely just been resting here for a little and sending out some letters uh, to potential allies of her family. Mm. And what have you heard about the other children that went missing? Kind of thinks it over. Hmm. Just all relatively young, probably a little below teenage age. Doesn't seem like much rhyme or reason to it, but something came and took them away or they disappeared in the night. It's it's hard to know. Mm. I've really only talked to one of the other families, the Donald family, and they said that they were awake, having a few late night conversations, and then a moment later they were asleep, but not even in their bed. They fell asleep while sitting at the table, and as they awoke in the morning, their boy was gone. Mm. Do you think we could visit their residence and check the boy's room? We certainly could. I think they are looking to get help anywhere they can. He's like kind of blinking through it. You can tell like his ability to stay awake is like fading. (laughs) (laughs) As he's had a little too much to drink and you get the sense he hasn't slept all that much. Mm. Uh, In that case, would you like to sleep for the night? And then we reconvene tomorrow to search the other residents. He gives a nod and kind of the bed he's sitting on, he like leans over. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yes. Where would you like to meet? At the back of the inn. Oh, all right. Good night, Anthony. And just <laughs> uh, asleep. Cool. Uh, while he's asleep, uh, I'm going to find a good place to stock up on water. So is there a bathroom in the inn? The, I mean, no. Each each of the rooms, I guess that is one other thing you would notice about this room is there, you know, is a chamber pot in the corner. While you were downstairs, you probably would have noticed like a water barrel, though. Okay. All right. I'm going to try heading downstairs again. going to try and get some water from the barrel. Okay. Are you trying to not really be seen? Yeah, I'm, I'm hiding. All right. Uh, hit a stealth check, then. Uh, 16 for stealth. Gosh. You are very stealthy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you're able to kind of duck down. Most people seem drunk or passed out uh, at, at the tavern by now. And the bartender is a little too busy cleaning up spilt ale and mugs to really pay attention to anything you're doing. And you kind of sneak behind the bar, find a little barrel of water, dip your jar into it and fill it back to the top. Can I dip myself in the barrel? Do I fit? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you kind of dip over. Uh, it it uh, falls over, a little water splashes on the ground, but you're able to hop out uh, without being noticed. Cool, cool. <laughs> and then are you just going to head outside and stay the night, or what's the thought? Has it rained recently in town? Uh, no, it's probably been a couple days Okay. since the last rain. I'm trying to think of somewhere damp in the town. Mm-hmm. Is there like a, um, like a cellar? For, for the drinks 
Uh, yeah, there's definitely a cellar in uh, the tavern. Okay. It might be damp there. Uh, dark, at least. Uh, so I think I'll try and make my way down, depending on where it is. As you look around, I mean, you're kind of behind the bar now. You see the bartender's, like, at a table, like, you know, pushing one of the drunk folks over to, like, reach under him to grab another mug. Uh, so you kind of, like, look around, use this opportunity to jump into the back room where you do see a uh, cellar door that heads down. As you get to it, though, it is locked. Hmm. If I look at the bartender, does he have keys on him? Or are the keys behind the counter? Or somewhere else? Uh, roll a perception check. 13 for perception. Yeah, you would see a little ring of keys on him. You also do, as a reminder, have uh, thieves' tools as a rogue. Oh, okay. So your options are kind of you could try to pick it on your own, which obviously would have its challenges, or you know, get the keys. I'm going to try and get the keys from him. The way we'll do this is kind of the inverse of how we did the water thing. I'm first going to have you make a stealth check to see your approach and how good it okay. is. Uh, 21 for stealth. Quite good. And then because you kind of get up to him almost acting as his shadow without him noticing, now I'm going to have you make a sleight of hand check to just grab at the keys, but this can be at advantage because you are so well hidden. 23 for sleight of hand. Awesome. Quite good, yeah. You uh, do, uh, <laughs> I imagine you quickly look at one of the drunk folks who has a ring of keys on him. Uh, and seems too drunk to possibly notice that something would be missing. And you do the Indiana Jones thing where you take his, put them on the bartender so he still has keys there, but uh, <laughs> take the bartenders uh, and uh, pop out. Um. Yeah, cool. So uh, I'll unlock the cellar and I'll go down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you unlock the cellar, close the door behind you, hop down. Quite, quite damp. Uh, definitely a lot of spilled ale and water and various other things. Most people would be like, oh, this is disgusting. Uh, but this is the closest you felt to the swamp since you've left it. Yeah. Uh, and with that, I'll find maybe a nice puddle of spilt ale. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, somewhere in between some barrels and I'll sleep for the night. Yeah. A restful and wonderful evening for Antony. <laughs> <laughs> you awake in the morning. Uh, the slight sounds of someone preparing a morning meal upstairs and all that. Hmm. I'll get up and I'll head upstairs very carefully to make sure that mm -hmm. no one will hear me uh, exiting the cellar. Yeah, I'll have you do another stealth check. Uh, 12 for, for stealth. Okay. Yeah, you do your best to kind of work your way up. As you close the door, it's a pretty heavy door, and you kind of lose grasp of it as, as you're trying to close it, uh, and it swings shut and definitely makes a bump noise. You hear, you know, the Metal Gear Solid like <laughs> noise uh, from the bartender as he's like, huh, what was that? you start to hear his footsteps like coming around the corner i'll say uh oh uh there's no rats down there i was uh called in for pest control i heard uh, i heard you have a rat problem but everything looks good downstairs so uh here's your key back uh and i'll be on my way um okay <laughs> so yeah he he's walking around the corner you decide okay i'm 
gonna lie. <laughs> uh, and he like stops, looks at you, and and you say this. I'm gonna have you make a deception check. Uh, it will be at disadvantage. <laughs> Four <laughs> for deception. Four. Uh, yeah, as as you're there holding the key out, head down, you see him like panic, like freak out for a moment. And then, like, kind of look, squint at you, and you see him slowly kind of grab a broom and, like, from a distance, like, move the broom towards your hood. It is going to try to, like, pop your hood off. Okay, I'm, I'm going to let him do it. I'll, I'll let him okay. push it off. Uh, as soon as it pushes off, his eyes go wide and he's like, Bullywog, Bullywog! And he's going to run up and try to hit you <laughs> with the broom handle. I'm going to hop out the way. Okay. <laughs> Here's what I'll have you do. Uh, Roll an athletics check. Uh, Five for athletics. Five. Yeah. So he's going to get advantage on his hit on you. You're you're a little surprised that it's happening this quickly. So that's a nat 20. (laughs) So he hits you. It's a broom, so it's not all that powerful. Okay. He does three points of bludgeoning damage to you. I'm going to scream really loud. Just a a piercing scream. Okay. That's a, uh, I would think Bullywugs have just this really high-pitched, horrible screech <laughs> that they do. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll rip one of those out. Does that affect him at all? Okay, yeah, just screech out in pain. Yep. I- is this an ability or? <laughs> I was hoping it would be loud enough <laughs> to like <laughs> make him, yeah, make him stumble or at least wake up Thurgood for him to run downstairs. Then you can make an intimidation check, we'll say. Okay. Uh, 20 for intimidation. Yeah, as you give <laughs> your bullywug uh, just scream, he's like, ah! and he he hits you and then is just fearful of whatever comes next. And he's going to like kind of drop the broom and take like two steps backwards. You feel like you definitely have a pathway through the door uh, that he was kind of blocking a moment before to get back to the main room and maybe outside. Okay. I'm going to shout at him to stop staring at me and then I'll throw his keys at his face and I'll hop away. <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> you just toss the keys and just <laughs> quickly move away as he's like kind of cowering, like scared at this weird reaction yeah. that he's had. Uh, and you move through. Do you just kind of jump out the window and, and get to the back and try to hide behind the tavern a bit? Yeah, I'll hop out the window. Same yeah. way I came in. Just boom, boom, boom <laughs> and jump through. And, and he definitely, yeah, seems taken aback, a little scared. I'll jump outside and I'll make my way to the back of the inn and I'll wait for Thurgood if he's not already there. Yeah, he is definitely not there at this <laughs> moment. You probably wait about 30 minutes and then, you know, there definitely seems as you're kind of hiding out back there. Uh, I'll, I'll also have you make a stealth check just to kind of get a little cover. Okay. Uh, 11 for stealth. Uh, you know, you're not in a spot where there's a ton of people right now. So, you know, you're kind of probably just ducked behind some barrels. Not the best hiding job you've ever done, but certainly you don't do anything to draw tons of attention <laughs> over there on accident. Uh, but yeah, you wait out probably about half an hour. There's some hubbub in the tavern. It seems that the tavern keeper was pretty caught off guard by a bullywug being in his basement and then giving him his keys back. <laughs> but yeah, after about half an hour, Fairgood steps out 
quite hungover. You see, though, he does have seemingly memory of the conversation because he, he is here. You see at his side is his sword. On his back is a shield. You also see he's wearing, like, fine gold armor that, like, is pretty dirtied at this point and, and dented and looks somewhat worn. Which, like, I guess you would want uh, in a night, right? <laughs> is that they actually get into fights, maybe. It does seem like, you know, it is golden armor. It doesn't necessarily seem like the most practical armor, but he, he wears it with pride. and He kind of steps out and looks around. You aren't hidden well enough for him not to see you, so he does kind of see you immediately. Are you still, like, hood down trying to... Yeah, still hood down hide as much as possible yeah I, I put it back down after the uh, altercation with the innkeeper <laughs> yeah he kind of like looks over it's like oh Antony Antony right yep uh, that's me uh, did you sleep well yes he's definitely like eyeing you <laughs> weirdly this you know figure that he probably made for a gnome the other day like <laughs> Certainly is still obscuring yourself uh, in the daytime <laughs> and is a little weirded out by you. Okay, I'll be honest with him. I'll tell him I'm a bullywug and uh, see what his reaction is to that. I'll pull down the hood as well. You see kind of his eyes go wide and he like instinctively a hand kind of moves towards his sword and he just kind of has it on uh, the hilt but isn't like drawing it. Mm. Why are you... Is your name even Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, of course it is. Who would be called Anthony Hopkins and not be a bullywug? Uh, that's fair. <laughs> Enough of this. Let's go to the Donald's house and find uh, what we're looking for. He kind of takes a long look at you. You are a bullywug. How do I know that you didn't take her and the other children? Well, why would I be helping you if I took her? Well... You see, like, the wheels turning uh, as quick as they can uh, with uh, the hangover he seems to have. Roll a persuasion check at advantage. Cool. Uh, 11 for persuasion. Okay. He kind of looks, all right, well, that, that is a fair point. But one wrong move the wrong way. Kind of, like, then looks up and he's like, that sounded redundant. One wrong move, <laughs> and I will strike you down. But you are the only person that's actually offered to give any practical help but i need to find her well sounds good to me let's go as the two of you walk along he's like let me do the talking i suppose uh most people don't take well to bullywugs around here yep i've uh, i've noticed that and, and he is very cautious of you this whole time it seems uh you know you're able to persuade him enough but it's definitely a tenuous <laughs> uh, like he he Seems quite desperate to be accepting your help at all, and definitely a little scared to be traveling with you, but just just need, needs help in some way, and for whatever reason doesn't feel like the offers from other folks in the town were good enough for this. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, depending on where the Donald's house is, we'll head over there. I don't know if he's got, like, a bag on him, or some sort of sack that I can hide in, or if I just have to sort of walk very closely to him. Yeah, I would say as you're approaching, he would kind of like look at, you know, you see a little small modest home coming up and he'll kind of point saying that that's the Donald's house. And I, I, I suppose he would probably just say, go to the backside. You see that window? I'll open it for you when I'm inside. Okay. 
In that case, I'll head to the back of the house and uh, wait outside the window. You wait there, you see him go to the front, have some conversation that's, you know, muffled through a few walls, but you do pick up a few words, you know, him talking about his uh, daughter who is lost and he's trying to find any sort of lead or a trail uh, of, of where she may have went and asks if he can see the room where their son was taken. And they seem happy enough to oblige him because obviously they're desperate to find their son. And yeah, uh, after a few moments, you hear footsteps through the wall and uh, Fairgood make kind of a lame excuse of being like, I do my best work alone. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, them being like, oh, yeah, okay. And uh, he closes the door separating uh, <laughs> them from any sort of sight of the room. And then you hear the window open. Yeah, I'll jump in. Uh, but be mindful of uh, not touching the window too much. Then that's easy enough for you because uh, Bullywugs have nice hops. Uh, I'll have you do just an acrobatics check to kind of like dive through gracefully. <laughs> uh, 19 for acrobatics. Yeah, hell yeah. You just kind of like <laughs> get in a good frog hop and just jump through and dive uh, in a nice little spin and roll at the end. Perfect. On my way in, uh, I'll look at Fairgood and put a uh, little webbed finger against my frog lips <laughs> to, to <laughs> signify that we have to be quiet and not speak. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we'll draw attention. And then after that, I'll check the window for the same marks as the other room that his, well, the Duchess was in. Roll investigation. I'll give you advantage because you kind of know what you're trying to look for here, too. Uh, 11 for investigation. As you look over and kind of take a glance they seem faint but yeah the same marks are there hmm. i'll check around the rest of the room as well depending on what's there i'll have you do just another investigation then okay uh seven seven okay here's the option because that's a bad roll uh <laughs> here's the option i'll give you is either you're seven you kind of look around you try to like look under a few things but aren't getting a good vision so you can either just struggle to find much or you can be a little loud which might draw the attention granted they do know fair goods in here but moving some stuff looking under some stuff uh, but possibly drawing the attention of the folks who live here yeah um i'll ask Fairgood to tell me if he notices anything okay so you're kind of like i'm i'm stumped yeah uh, <laughs> got it uh he will take a look and i'll have him roll an investigation check not great uh, <laughs> he rolled an 11. So he'll kind of like look around, look under the bed, not find anything, you know, look in a closet, not find anything. He'll look back to where you were looking, though, uh, at, at the windowsill and kind of like wave you over. Mm. I'll go over and uh, I'll ask him what he thinks about the marks on the window. He'll um, ask you to like put a hand up. Like he kind of like points at your hand and is trying to look at it. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree to that. I'll put my hand up. Yeah. And he kind of like looks at it almost as if he's like looking for big claws <laughs> on you or something that might like fit with it, still kind of suspecting a bullywug. But as he kind of like looks at your hand and then looks over at the markings, they definitely do not seem like they mix. Hmm. See, I told you. Many think it might be bullywugs taking the kids, but... If these marks belong to whatever took them, it couldn't possibly be a bullywug. 
yeah, I mean, my tribe are, are peaceful bullywugs, so I don't know where you guys get this idea from. Uh, what, what does peaceful to <laughs> Antony mean? Uh, we just sit around and eat bugs all day and roll in the mud. Mm -hmm. Like, we, we don't bother anyone. Even if uh, travelers come through, we tend to just ignore them unless they provoke us. Just get a little too close. Yeah, or if they stare. If they travel through the, uh, if they travel through uh, Timric without, you know, fair passage. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, cer certainly not an aggressive lot. He kind of looks at you, interested a little bit, surprisingly, to learn about uh, Baliwa culture, <laughs> <laughs> as he knows little of it. I'll ask him if there's anything that he thinks about these marks. Like, is there anything that could have made this? He kind of thinks it over all trying to be like very quiet you know i mean you guys are by the window and, and yeah, whispering, yeah. Uh, so it doesn't seem too loud i mean there's certainly i'd imagine some sort of clawed uh, beast mm. thing took went through kind of looks through and it looks like there are kind of you know almost what you would imagine like multiple pairs of these little gouges um seemingly maybe multiple figures coming through okay I mean, there's plenty of things that do have kind of sharp fingernails and claws even. Mm. I mean, are there any notable beasts living near the town? Bullywugs. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of like looks at you like, is that offensive? Yeah, I, <laughs> I have a sort of insulted <laughs> look on my face <laughs> as he says that. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, sorry. It's, it's okay, it's fine. Is there anyone else? who would be an expert with this sort of thing in town? Uh, an expert? No. It's a pretty quaint town. Most haven't dealt with all that many monsters, except, and he doesn't say it this time, but <laughs> except you again. Um, yeah, me and Amelia were the first big outsiders they've had in a while. Mm. Are there many other children in town? Less and less each day. Mm. But I think there's probably about th three families at this point with a few children each that none, none of their children have been stolen yet. Okay. I don't know all that much about the town. I just pick a few things up, you know. In that case, it might be worth trying to sneak in to one of these three houses and waiting the night. To see Steal a oh, yeah. <laughs> if something comes in. Yeah. Fairgood would kind of look and be like, that's a good idea. Have a kind of um, a stakeout and mm. try to pick up if anything comes in to one of the houses or into town. Yeah. Where are the houses situated? Are they all close? There's certainly like a section of them that are pretty close together. You know, maybe about like 15 of the houses, but then... You know, they do start to kind of spread out more and more. And then you just know in general in the area, there's a lot of people that like are technically part of this village, but do live like a ways outside of it. Uh, I, I guess Fairgood would kind of have a little bit of information that he could pass on to you. It seems like the houses that were on the outskirts a little further out were the first ones to get hit. Okay. And now it's been moving closer and closer into the village. Mm. In that case, I'll ask him to direct me to the house closest to the edge okay he would lead you to probably one of the 
smaller houses in the area. And yeah, he would point it out. Uh, I've seen a family. Uh, it's a family of five. They seem to be living there. I've seen them come in and out a few times. But obviously, since kids have started disappearing, they've kept more and more to themselves. And mm. How many are there, are there windows looking into the house? particularly the bedrooms. Uh, yeah, so you want to kind of like peep your head into a window? Yeah, I want to try and find All right. the kid's bedroom. Yeah, I'll have you make a stealth check. 21 for stealth. Okay, yeah, you're able to kind of peek over as best you can. You look through one window that you take to be what seemed like it would be a bedroom. It, it, it's a pretty big room, and as you look over it, you see they're kind of like, spots that look almost bed shaped like dust surrounds a space where a bed used to be and there are like three of those in the room and that's what you get when you peek through one window and then you're like huh and then you kind of move around and you look into like the what you imagine is the main room of this house uh it seems like there are pretty much three rooms probably where the parents sleep where the kids sleep and then the main room and as you peep in the main room you see that like the three beds that you imagine were in the kids bedroom have all been moved in there and are in the center of the room and it seems like that's kind of where since all these disappearances have happened like the parents have decided to camp out and like <laughs> do what they can to make sure nothing happens to their kids and and you see like uh, they've also moved their bed to be right there uh, all in kind of the main room mm. i don't know if i should wait out like during the night and watch this house or if i should move to another one it's hard to know if the thing that's taking them will still come to this house mm-hmm if the kids aren't in their separate bedroom. Uh, I'll, I'll ask Fairgood uh, what he thinks we should do. Uh, he kind of rubs his chin. Well, at this point, all the remaining houses with kids are closer to the city proper. So anything that might, or the town proper. So anything that might mm. come through would have to be in this area, which if you're camped out and keeping a watch would make them a little easier to find even if they don't come to this house in particular. In that case, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. I'll have my own spot uh, and Fairgood can sit sort of somewhere else as well, uh, just okay. so we're covering more ground. Yeah. Uh, where do you want your spot to be? Like by one of the houses or like trying to get a good vantage point? If I could jump on top of a roof <laughs> and get <laughs> yeah, some high ground. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the <laughs> highest roof is the tavern, which would be a pretty good spot to look out um, and, and see a lot of the different spots of the village. It is probably a little further away from the house than some other roofs you could jump on. So it's kind of like sacrificing. Yeah, I'll, I'll go somewhere closer. Yeah. Yeah. You have dumb bullywog jump, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you're e easily enough. You're just able to vroom, and jump onto one of the roofs and you just kind of wait out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait out. Uh, for nighttime. Okay. Uh, at some point during that wait, you definitely start getting your dry skin. Yeah, I'll moisturize. Yeah. <laughs> might might cause some uh, leaking in the <laughs> house below, but uh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> you're mainly you're mostly able to get it on yourself, but yeah, definitely some drips down and, and gets in a gutter. All right, uh, you you are just waiting out. I'll have you make a stealth check on this house, uh, even though you are pretty covered, the height and stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, 27 stealth. <laughs> Jesus. All right, yeah. <laughs> you are perfectly <laughs> hidden on this roof, and yeah, you kind of wait out to nighttime. As you look around, you know, it seems like there are a few you know, people walking around trying to keep some sort of guard. So folks walking with torches. It's not a big village though. So it's not the most effective thing in the world. They're not a village that's all that well set up for protecting themselves <laughs> from anything like this. Yeah. I suppose throughout the day, you know, you would have heard at some point panic come from one of the houses as you're kind of sitting atop and, you know, a mother run out of a house crying, saying, they, they took my daughter, they took my daughter. And yeah, I imagine you just kind of listen in and it seems like the same story as all the others. So it seems like even last night uh, they did come or whatever came or whatever's causing the children to disappear happened as well. Yeah, I guess I'll jump down and go towards the house and check the window, but most notably check the ground to see for check for any footprints okay yeah at some point during the day so for footprints i'll have you roll a survival check uh 20 for survival 20 okay yeah that is actually the dc exactly of what you need <laughs> you look around and you do see some kind of prints in it obviously it hasn't rained all that much recently so it's nothing too deep but you can see some spots in the grass. And yeah, it seems like a few pairs of footprints. And then also, you know, uh, with this, as you kind of look, you do see the same marks in the windowsill. Okay. Yeah, you do definitely find a little bit of a footprint path or trail. Might be hard to follow long term. Mm -hmm. Are they human? Uh, No, they seem smaller than human. You look at it and it does seem like... For a second, you're like, oh, is this a bullywug? And you're like, no, no, no. My, this It would be way more webbed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they do see kind of small and short, though. I'll have you roll an intelligence check. The DC is very high. It'll be hard to get. But if you roll high enough, you might okay. have an idea of what it is. Mm, no, I got five. <laughs> yeah. You're, it seems like some sort of small creature. Probably not all that much bigger than you, but you, you don't really know. You mostly know bullywugs and humans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you say there was a trail? Or There's definitely like a small path that you're like, it seems like they went this way. You get the sense, though, that like following it will be difficult, but you certainly could try. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try following it. Make a another survival check. Uh, nine for survival. Nine. You follow it kind of to the edge of town and... Yeah, that's about when you lose it. I will say, though, between the two rolls and you following it, you get a better look at it, and it seems like all things together, there are about five, like, separate footprints. Five pairs. Hmm. I'll speak to Fairgood again. Okay. I'll let him know the findings, and I'll ask him again if there's definitely no other creatures that are living nearby town. None that I know of, I can ask around a bit and try to get some information, but nothing that I'm certain of, no. Yeah, uh, I'll get Fergus to ask around town. Okay. I'm going to make a roll for him? Yes, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, he seems to ask around town and comes back and says, you know, wolves. There's some wolves around. 
that people talk about and mostly uh, <laughs> uh, just kind of like looking at you again, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, thinking back to the footprints, was it two feet or four feet? Two feet, yeah. Okay. Are there no, like, hunters in town? or? No, it largely... I mean, there's probably a few people that do, like, hunt occasionally. This town, though, mostly seems like farmers and a few crafts folks. Okay. And I, I think hunting is probably mostly, like, if there's a squirrel outside, I'm going to have... <laughs> squirrel dinner tonight you know like <laughs> nothing all that uh massive yeah or career based i suppose so the spot that i got to outside of town could i camp out near there and watch again for another night okay so no longer on a roof by that house but like kind of the path that you found yes yeah all right yeah, for sure. I would say that there's probably a house kind of near that spot in the edge of town if you wanted to use that roof. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll use that roof. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You do your nice little hop up again easily enough. And then, yeah, roll a, roll another stealth check. Uh, 14 for stealth. Okay. Yeah. You get up there well enough and uh, seem decently hidden. You probably make a little noise when you're on top <laughs> <laughs> to the point where maybe like the owner comes out and is like, ah. And like, ah, whatever. <laughs> Must just be a, an annoying bird, you know? <laughs> and uh, heads out. You uh, camp out hiding on top of a roof. Are you going to kind of like rest at all during the day to like prepare for being up at night or? Yeah, I'll, I'll rest during the day. Okay. Could I look around for any damp spots? Yeah, I mean, if you want to kind of stick on the roof... I'd say that your best bet would just be, like, dousing your cloak. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. How much water is left in the canister? To do this, it would be the rest of your water. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. You uh, douse your cloak and just kind of put it over you and take a nap through <laughs> uh, <laughs> this day. I mean, how long do you want to rest for? Until sunset. Yeah, you uh, get a few hours of sleep. I'll, I'll have this count as a long rest, so you'll get the few hit points that you lost from getting hit by the broom. So you're, you're back <laughs> in full health. Cool. Um, <laughs> and ready to go. And yeah, you uh, rest till sunset and then uh, prepare for whatever's next. You wait on this roof until dusk comes and the night comes uh you know as was mentioned a bit before a few people have kind of been patrolling throughout the day and and definitely now that it's night a few people are as well but again uh, you know it's it's there's not like a formal city guard here because this is really just a small little hamlet in, in the middle of nowhere so it, it's mostly just kind of volunteers being like ah we must protect our own <laughs> uh who who might not be the best at it but you know they're trying and that's what matters <laughs> I'd say you'd see Fairgood kind of doing his own little patrol by a few of the houses, just kind of watching out every once in a while, like looking back at the roof where you're at, uh, kind of suspiciously. I mean, he seems like after you investigating the house and like being like, okay, these marks don't seem like bullywug <laughs> marks. He definitely trusted you a little more after that. Yeah. But he still doesn't want to like look like the fool who trusted a bullywug, mm. <laughs> and, and then and then was betrayed. But but you know he mostly seems just concerned and desperate to find Leo. 
So yeah, you uh, you wait out. Are you just kind of like scoping, keeping your eyes at the spot where like that path was? Yeah, I'll I'll mainly be looking at the path, but also occasionally looking around as well. I will have you because you have a high vantage point. You don't do the best in the dark. The village is pretty well lit up, which has kind of been a you know attempt at pushing away people getting stolen in the night. It hasn't yeah. worked for them. But so it's pretty well lit up and, and with the torches of people walking around, you get a decent vision as well. So I'll have you make a perception check at advantage as you're kind of scoping out between between those factors. Twelve for perception. Yeah, you look out, continue to try to find anything, see any sign. And at, at this moment, you know, as the night is going on, you probably wait like two, three hours and not really noticing much. Is Fairgood nearby? I'd say like he's doing kind of a patrol of like a few of the houses that still have kids and also probably coming every once in a while by the path that you, you know, pointed out to him. Mm. So yeah, at a point he would probably cross like, walk by the house you're hidden on. Okay. I'll wait until the next time he comes, uh, like, just below me, mm-hmm. um, and I'll ask if he's noticed anything. Or if any of the people he's spoken to, like the other patrolmen, if they've noticed anything either. Um, no, I haven't noticed much. I've spoke to a few. It seems like, you know, a few rustles in the distance and, and some tall grass and things like that, but that's... Most likely raccoons. Doesn't seem anything to... And they investigated and did not find anything beyond that. Did they see any footprints? No. Frankly, the only person who's found any footprints so far is you. Okay. I'll let him continue patrolling and I'll keep looking out as well for a bit. Okay. I will have you do another perception check. Uh, This time not at advantage though. 15 for perception. 15. Okay. Yeah, you kind of, you know, look around, keeping your eyes moving constantly and hoping to try to get any sight of anything. At a point, probably after about an hour of waiting, you see a little movement kind of to your left, not uh, at the house that you had been scoping out, which does seem like it is the one that's had the most people kind of walking around it as it's the one I think most people assumed would get hit. What stands out about this, you can't really see what it is, anything like that, but what stands out about it is its movement that is not accompanied by a torch, (laughs) which pretty much all the movement in the town right now has been. So kind of out the corner of your eye, you just see something kind of darting along. Okay, I'll try and get closer to the source of the movement. Yeah, so to do that, you'd probably need to jump a few roofs over. Yeah, I would want to do that as quietly as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so what I'll have you do is first you're going to do an acrobatics check. Yep. To see how good these jumps are. Uh, 13. Okay. Decent enough. Uh, what I'll say with a 13 is it's not good enough to give you advantage, but not bad enough to give you disadvantage on your stealth check here. <laughs> okay. So you kind of hop from thing to thing, and now you can make a stealth check. Uh, 14 for stealth. 14. You certainly aren't the top of your game, (laughs) and your footfalls do make a little noise. You can't tell if you've alerted anything, but, you know, it's not your best work. Okay, I'll look down to see if there's anything moving still. Uh, Yeah, as you move over a few more and kind of look down, 
Moving between two of the houses, you see a few small figures moving along. They, they look about your size. One of them a little bit bigger. One of them seems maybe about like five feet tall. And as you kind of look down and see these five figures moving very quietly, you do see one holding a staff that you wouldn't necessarily know what this staff is for, but certainly there, you've seen enough bullywug shamans to assume that this one might be some sort of magic wielder. And yeah, you see five figures moving long hands with pointy nails or claws kind of at the end, long ears and in a green hue to their skin. I imagine you haven't seen one before, but probably have heard of them. They look to be goblins. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to try and follow them. Okay. I'm going to say with your approach that was a little louder, if you're trying to follow them here, I'll have you do another kind of, because that was just moving along to get near them. If you're if you're trying to follow them proper to do that, I'll have you make a stealth check, but this one will be at disadvantage. Okay. Uh, 20 for stealth. Damn. All right. <laughs> Not bad. So as you land, which caused the disadvantage, you did make like a little bit of a boom. And as you peeked over and saw the goblins, one of them kind of like turned his head up to look at you. Uh, but you had like peeked back <laughs> just before it could. <laughs> yeah. It did put them a bit on alert, uh, which just meant that you had to be double as careful as you as you kind of jumped down, I imagine, following them along, uh, moving barrel to barrel. They uh, go up to one of the houses. At this moment, is a little bit further away from uh, where most of the people on patrol are right now. You see the one with the staff hold it up and shake the staff in the air. And you see a, a little brief light come from it. And then he points it at the house and you kind of see some sort of like it almost feels like a mist for a second go over it, but it does dissipate quickly. Make a perception check. Uh, 12. Okay. This magical aura kind of goes over the house, and then you inside do hear like a boom, boom, almost like two bodies like falling to the ground. Okay. As you're there, you see one of them, the tall one, kind of lift open a window quietly as two of them then kind of jump in. You see their claws kind of dig in a bit to the windowsill. And, and jump into one of the rooms. Okay. Are there any still outside? The one that you kind of reminds you of Blue Oak Shamans is kind of at the side still holding up his staff. Uh, the two who didn't go inside are just like keeping watch, looking back and forth. Their eyes pass over you a few times, but you have done your perfect uh, I am a burlap sack <laughs> a hiding motion. I'm gonna try throwing one of my arrows somewhere far off opposite to where I am, so I can try and sneak behind them while I distract them with the noise. Okay. So you're just like uh <laughs> I'm pulling a Metal Gear Solid here, yeah. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. And you're not you're not shooting the arrow as to not make No, like... I'm just throwing it just to make noise. Yeah, yeah. Um make a just a dexterity check. Eighteen. Ooh, okay. Yeah. You are able to kind of Pull it and throw it back, uh, and get decent decent air on it. So you're just kind of trying to like have it hit something. Yeah, just make noise. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You throw it and it's just like, thum, 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 thum. And, and the two kind of like dart their heads over there, and you see one of them kind of reach his hand up and like whispering like, "Hurry up! Hurry up! Hurry up!" Did I manage to get sort of closer behind them while they were distracted? Yeah, I'll have you make a. 
Another stealth check here. And I'll give you advantage with that throw because they're distracted. 28 for stealth. <laughs> That's another natural. <laughs> God, yeah, very good. Who do you want to sneak up on? Which which one? The two standing by the window? Yeah, so I'm going to sneak up on the guy with the little shaman staff thing. Okay, yeah. He is uh, holding it up and you sneak up behind him. I'm going to pull out my dagger mm-hmm. and I'm going to sort of jump him from behind and take him hostage but quietly okay so you're you're this is not an attack as much as like putting a dagger up to his neck and being like don't move or yeah i'm just trying to capture someone yeah i'm just gonna say don't move yeah got it got it so this is gonna be technically a grapple okay and I imagine like putting your webbed hand on his mouth so he can't yell out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to have you do an athletics check because you are stealth. You have advantage though. 20 for athletics. You are able to kind of get up behind. It seems like whatever spell he had cast, he finished it and kind of puts his staff down and he's like, ah. <laughs> he's like, uh, you hear him whisper to himself, good work, Alton. And then, and you have a knife to his throat and his mouth covered. And you kind of have like the side of the house blocking you from the other two who are also like looking out uh, at whatever made that noise. Did you say he dropped the staff? The staff like uh, would start falling. You could try to grab it so it doesn't make a sound if you want. Yeah. Could I try and grab it with my foot? Okay. I thought you were going to use your tongue for a second. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. My tongue, my tongue. You could. Yeah, you could use your tongue for sure. I, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make a dexterity check for your using your tongue. Okay. Uh, 15. Okay. 15 was the DC. So you, yeah. uh, uh, as, as it's like falling over and about to make noise, just whoop, and you grab with your tongue. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to try and move away from the scene while still taking the goblin hostage and carrying the uh, staff in my mouth. Got it. I'm going to have you to do this to kind of move him along. You're going to have to do competing athletics check against him to be able to drag him. So make another athletics check. Are you like making a threat to him? Definitely. All right. First roll intimidation, and as you have a dagger to his throat, uh, intimidation with advantage. Uh, 18 for intimidation. Okay. What do you say to him? I'm saying, shut up, don't move. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you see as he like kind of feels the dagger on his throat, he like kind of goes still. Cool. Uh, Yeah, and I'll lead him away from the scene. I'm going to have you make a stealth check at disadvantage because you are, (laughs) he he is scared of you. (laughs) Okay. But you are still trying to kind of move a goblin with you as quietly as possible. So it will be at disadvantage. Okay, cool. 10 for stealth. You start moving him away as best you can. What I'll say with a 10, you probably get about to a house like 30 or so feet away as you're kind of like leading him and just trying to pull him along. I assume moving away (laughs) from the the goblins (laughs) in the house. And as he's about to get out of sight, he seems to start panicking as he sees his goblin fellows jumping out of a window. And you do see one of them carrying over their shoulder what looks to be a sleeping child. And and he makes like a, mm, and it does seem like one of the goblins looks over yeah. at you and him. Okay. Can I try using the staff? Like casting a spell with it? Yeah. <laughs> um, You can certainly try. Cool. I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Uh, 
What sort of magical effect are you hoping hoping happens? Uh, fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you uh, thinking quick as the goblin looks over at you. Uh, you think back to the shamans in in your bullywug tribe and how they've done stuff, and you lift it above your head and think fire, fire, fire. And nothing happens, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Is the staff itself does not seem magical as much as just a channeling point. Okay, out of pure panic, I'm gonna hit the goblin I have hostage around the head with the staff, and then I'm gonna try and equip my short bow and arrows to fire at the other goblin who noticed me. Okay. And in the midst of all that, I'm gonna let out a piercing scream. <laughs> a familiar scream, okay. <laughs> I don't think you're proficient with quarter stats with your tongue. <laughs> Just roll strength. Okay. 14 for strength. Okay. Uh, 14 will hit. Uh, so you do hit this guy. Uh, he is not... The others kind of seem to be wearing leather armor. He just mm. has robes on, so you are able to hit. You don't have a damage thing for this. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Okay. I mean, as long as I could sort of knock him out a bit. Yeah, I don't know that you'll do enough damage to fully knock him out. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, actually, you do have advantage, technically, because you have him restrained. So you can roll another strength. This is just in case you get a nat 20, which might be enough to... Uh, 15 strength. Okay, so you still hit. It doesn't necessarily seem to do enough to knock him out. You do three points of bludgeoning damage to him. He definitely seems dazed a bit, but still up. Okay. Do you then, you drop the quarterstaff yeah i drop the staff and quickly equip the uh short bow so yeah as as this happens as you hit him over the head the goblins who just climbed out the window and saw you they start bolting they are running away uh might not be the best goblin friends in the world uh, <laughs> um, they seem like this is the first time they've been caught in any sort of way here uh and and are just going to cut their losses and lose their their shaman if they need to. <laughs> so you equip your bow and you let out just a piercing scream. Yeah, to try and uh, draw the attention of uh, the patrolman and Fairgood. Yeah. But I'm also, since the other goblins ran away, I'm going to take my rope and I'm going to tie up the, uh, the shaman goblin. Okay, you don't want to follow them? No, no, no. I'm just going to tie up the shaman. Like, we got our information here. All right. <laughs> As you hit them, you, like, look out. You're grabbing your short bow instinctively just in case any of them are going to start charging at you. They kind of look at you like a deer in a headlight, look at their friend. Sorry, bud. Uh, and just <laughs> sprint <laughs> off. Yeah. And and quickly, you start trying to tie him up. Make a sleight of hand check. Uh, 13. Okay. You kind of still having him grabbed and him being a little dazed, you're able to wrap a rope around him well enough. You get the sense immediately, like, this might not be good for the long term. Like, I wouldn't want to leave him alone like this. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's enough for this moment as you're trying to figure things out. I'll stay with him and hold him down until I start to hear people coming. You have him tied up and, and a few moments later, you see three of these patrolmen kind of come around with torches and, and, and see you and yell out, a bullywug, I knew it was a bullywug. And he's gonna <laughs> run at you and uh, swing his sword. Okay. And he's gonna take an attack on you. And as the sword is coming down, you hear the sound of metal on metal. And you see next to you is Fairgood blocking this swing of the sword, kind of protecting you. 
No, no, he's here to help. He's not the one that took it. Maybe it's the tied-up goblin that he has. Have you thought about that? <laughs> and the patrolman's <laughs> like, oh, um, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and then Farragut kind of stands up and sheathes his sword. Yeah. And looks down at you. I'll quickly explain <laughs> the situation to them. I'll tell them how many I saw. I'll tell them about the spell that the shaman cast. And I'll say that they ran off uh, with one of the children as well. But I have this one captured for interrogation. He's kind of there like, interrogation? I won't tell you anything. <laughs> I'll die before I betray my friends. And he kind of like looks out. Can I slap him? He's like, oh, okay, I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, uh, they don't seem very loyal to each other. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, and I think especially, you know, He's probably a little hurt uh, that they just left him behind. <laughs> yeah. Somewhat reluctantly, the patrolmen, very distrusting of you. Although at this point, just by body language, you notice that Fairgood, while certainly when you first started working together, was not all that persuaded by you. But now, you know, after seeing you do some good work and, and being at this point, it is trusting of you mm. based on your actions. And he, he kind of, where the patrolmen are have that look that you've seen humans get around you <laughs> at various times. <laughs> like, is he going to eat me? Is, is this frog going to eat me? <laughs> Fairgood seems entirely comfortable around you. Cool. I'm going to ask the goblin where they took the child to. The patrolmen help you time up a little better, you know, get him in a chair and all of them standing around threateningly. And and yeah, he kind of like looks around and, and after you slapped him seems pretty open to, <laughs> I think he realizes he has nothing to lose. Like, you know, uh, well, you know, we, we, we took him to this spot because we're trying to sell one of them, but we don't really know which one we're trying to sell. But we heard there's a, you know, a rich kid around, a noble kid around here. So we're just going to take all the kids and sell them, you know? Kind of gives a smile. You'd all do the same, right? Can I slap him again? Yeah. Ow! Ow! <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, so they're just taking children to sell them off. Well, yeah, we found some letters that were being sent out of here. Seemed like one of them's a noble that people wanted to find. So we figured we'd take all the kids, sell the noble, make all the money in the world and then live a good retirement you know goblin's dream who are you selling to he kind of scratches or like he like kind of scratches his head against a wall you know we're still on phase one of the plan um <laughs> golvar has all that stuff figured out it's not really my job my job is just to put him to sleep all the people to sleep but you know one of the their enemies you know how it goes where are you keeping them now uh, we just got a little camp you know a little outside of the swamp. Where is it? I'm going to slap him again. Oh, yeah, it's the, to the east, to the east. <laughs> I'm going to ask Fergud to pull out a map, and then I'm going to ask the goblin to uh, pinpoint exactly where it is. Fergud pulls out a tattered map of, like, just all of Cortia. You see some markings on it as well. It seems like he's kind of been trying to track the journey um, from the capital that he and his quote-unquote 
you know, fake daughter uh, have been on since since the riots. And immediately what you notice is like, I imagine Bullywugs kind of have some maps, like so you're familiar with the concept of them in general. But Bullywug maps are probably all done like out of mud. Yeah. You know, and like are <laughs> spots in, in the ground. And as you're looking at this map uh, and, and like kind of reading it over, like you're like, all these names are wrong. That's not the name of <laughs> like this, like th- this is Bug Break Point, you know, not... <laughs> <laughs> Not some weird royal <laughs> forest name, but you know, you recognize the spots enough. And as you put the map in front, uh, he kind of looks it over and he points to a spot on it. He's like, we're in this area, which you recognize as a spot called the Grand Viles. I'm going to get ready for setting off uh, with Fairgood. And uh, yeah, we're going to head over there. Okay, cool. Still in the night or... Yeah, yeah. Still at night. Yeah. We just sort of quickly get some bits together, uh, just what we need. Now that I I guess I don't have to stay so hidden, I can fill up my canister yeah. again with some water or get Fairgood yeah, to uh, do it. Yeah, certainly like everyone except for Fairgood, like every motion you make has some, huh, huh, uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, uh, you're able to do it unaccosted and, and all that and, and get slightly prepped. Fairgood asks one of the watchmen for a lantern just as uh, it'll be a little easier to use than a torch uh, proper. Yeah. And Fairgood would say, he'd kind of look them up and down, deciding if he wants them to come with. And these all are like farmers, so they have some strength to them. But you can very much tell like none of them are fighters. Like none of them have actually ever fought a day in their life uh, and probably would just be putting things in danger <laughs> and make it harder if they were in, in it. So Fairgood would say, you watch over this one um, and, and we'll go rescue everything. <laughs> we'll be the big heroes. Don't worry. <laughs> they kind of look at him like, wow, you're an asshole. Uh, <laughs> but you also see in Fairgood, like for the first time since you've met him, there is this kind of renewed sense of like, yes, <laughs> it's time. Like, I, I, I'm not a failure. <laughs> I can do this. Like, I, I can help. <laughs> So the two of you head to the spot that you know as the Grand Viles? Yep. Yeah, uh, you, you move along, uh, starting just kind of on the main road um, and, and trying to move quickly enough. And eventually it kind of moves a bit into the swamp proper. And I imagine here you do most of the leading once you get into the swamp as Fairgood has not spent much time. Mm. There's probably a, a moment or two where like you're, you are navigating the swamp in the way that Bullywugs do, which is like jumping from this stump to this stump. <laughs> and Fairgood's just like looking at it like, what? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, here, here's a path that's probably a little better for humans <laughs> and, and move along that. Yeah. And yeah, you travel, you know, probably an hour or two. I'll have you make a survival check. Uh, 17 for survival. 17. With this, as you're moving along, especially once kind of you get to the swamp, you do start noticing footprints that seem to match the ones you had seen by the town. I mean, you, you can tell that these are the goblins' footprints, and you get the sense that, like, in the past, they've been very quiet and cautious on what trails they might leave behind. Mm. But after kind of getting seen by you and having one of theirs taken, a little more frantic in trying to get back to their camp. So you do actually find a path that's decent enough to follow. Cool. When we start getting getting nearer to the area, I'm going to try and be more stealthy in our approach. Okay. I'll have you start with making a perception check. Okay. Um, 15. 
there's a point as you're moving along, like probably just with like the very dim light of the lantern that Fairgood is carrying. He's definitely less quiet than you, by the way. Like he's kind of wearing big plate armor. So he's definitely <laughs> clanking around a bit, but trying his best. And there's a point where you can kind of hear some voices in the distance. Fairgood kind of like sees you stop and like looks out and then kind of covers the light of the lantern to make it so you're like a little less night blind as you look out you can hear some voices and also see like uh the flickering of a campfire light it seems like some lights in the in the distance okay could i possibly hop up to a higher point whether that's the trees or some branches or something yeah uh you do an acrobatics check okay 16 Okay. Yeah, you're able to jump up easily enough. Uh, and, and you're trying to be stealthy and stealth kind of forward. Is that the thought? Yeah. And I'm going right. to ask Fairgood to stay close to ground, but also try uh, to remain stealthy. Got it. He will do his best. He'll kind of look at you as you're up there and say, do you have a signal should, that I should wait for? I'll do my scream. <laughs> <laughs> Antony's uh, pleasant yell, yes. He nods. That, that should work. And he will try to stealth along. Yeah, make a stealth check. Uh, 14 for stealth. Uh, yeah, you're able to kind of jump from spot to spot and get pretty close to kind of the edge of this clearing that this campfire seems to be in. It's a little raised spot of dirt that's not totally in the muck proper and... Uh, as you look, you can see a handful of cages filled with children who are kind of just sitting there, some sleeping, some like looking out. All the cages are made out of wood, definitely bars that are small enough that they can't like sneak through. You also notice a bullywog in one of the cages. Okay. Uh, is that a bullywog that I recognize? Or? Roll perception, because you're a bit away. Yeah from it so it's not easiest to get the face so you're kind of squinting five five you're like i probably know this bully one but you can't get a great look at the face yeah okay i'm gonna try and get down to the bully one cage as quietly as possible yeah as it goes there are um total there are three cages and the kids are split between two and then yeah the bullywug is in one of its own i'm gonna say kind of as you didn't have the best approach coming up to the camp like you know you didn't maybe get the perfect perch that you'd want i'll let you make another stealth check but this one will be at disadvantage as you're trying to kind of crawl into the camp as they're on high alert and you made a little bit of noise as you were in the trees and i think they probably were just like probably an owl <laughs> but <laughs> are are still kind of on high alert looking around Okay, uh, I got a 20 for stealth. Uh, it doesn't matter. I can be disadvantaged <laughs> all day and it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, <laughs> all right, yeah. You are able to kind of jump around quickly from tree to tree. Uh, as, as you're moving along, you hear the goblins kind of like arguing between themselves. You see the biggest one who's standing at a massive five feet tall is just kind of like sitting back, like holding his chin, looking out as as the other three are like walking back and forth being like, oh man, they got all, oh, they got all, and we left him behind. What do we do? We need to run. We, we should just cut our losses, do something else. And another chimes in. It's like, no, we got to make sure we get the right kid. And, and the third is like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then the big one 
says in a booming goblin voice, uh, far deeper than the rest, but still, you know, pretty high-pitched goblin voice, uh, <laughs> says, we stick to the plan. Just because they know who we are or where we are, doesn't mean that we can't get get the rest and, and make sure we sell the right one. We'll be fine. And the other three are like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. And uh, the big one, Golvar, uh, uh, which was named by the shaman one, says, Tweez, Dulk, Tophis, shut your yap before I permanently shut it. And they kind of look at him like, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> at this point, you are by the cage with a bullywog. You get a look and... I'd imagine you're familiar with most of the bullywugs in the tribe. It's not like there's thousands of you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bullywug you aren't necessarily friends with, but you are knowledgeable of him. He, he's kind of one of the rangers of the, the bullywug tribe who goes out on patrol a fair bit. His name is Dayot. Okay. I'll sort of whisper to Dayo and uh, try and get his attention without making too much noise. Yeah. Uh, with your with your stealth check, you're able to kind of do it. You see he's kind of like leaned across awake, like watching the conversation uh, that these goblins are having, kind of trying to pay pay attention to it as, as it seems like good news that someone might be on to them. <laughs> <laughs> as you like whisper over, he kind of turns his head scared for a moment. And then like you see his eyes go wide, recognizing another bullywog and then uh, recognizing you specifically. Mm. Uh, I'm going to ask him how he got captured. He kind of like looks over uh, at, at them, the, the goblins who are still arguing a bit, although like they definitely are doing it a little more quietly now as to not like piss off Galvar, who seems to be thinking. He kind of like leans over. I, I was uh, patrolling the area and I came across their camp and then they, they beat me up and captured me. Okay, I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to check the cage to see where the lock is. Yeah, it's at the front. He's like, thank you so much for coming to rescue me, Anthony. I appreciate that, you know, you thought about coming to save me. That's very kind. Uh, it wasn't for you. It was for the bugs. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll get you out. Uh, he seems to be like, ah, respect, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so, so you're kind of sneaking to the front. This will definitely put you at risk of being exposed. The goblins do seem not paying all that close attention to this side of things. I'm going to have you make a stealth check. The DC for this is pretty high though, even for you. Uh-oh. Nine. <laughs> Nine. So you get to the front. I will say you have a quick moment to look at the lock if you'd like to try to do something. Um, no, I'm gonna hop back into cover before they notice me. Okay. As soon as you get to the lock, though, and then try to hop back to cover, you hear just the sound of like, what the hell? <laughs> as uh, Golvar kind of stands and seemingly spots you uh, as okay. you are like jumping back. <laughs> it's, uh, it's time for the scream. All right. <laughs> and while I scream, I want to try and equip my bow again and the arrows. Yeah, you uh, pull out your bone arrows as you uh, stand behind this cage and, and yell out your piercing scream. Roll for initiative. I got a nine for initiative. Fairgood did not roll well, unfortunately. All right, we are officially in combat. Uh, you, you have your <laughs> bow equipped. You are certainly kind of on the outskirts of this camp. Golvar is going to act first as he rolled the highest. Uh, he's probably about, like, 40 feet away from you. 
so just out of his running range, but he is going to grab a short sword, which in his you know small goblin form looks like a long sword, <laughs> and uh, sprint over to you. So he's going to use his movement to get right up to you. Uh, he's going to get his movement to get 30 feet towards you, and then his action, he's going to spend it to dash, which gets him right in your face. So you are next to him. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try and shoot an arrow into his eye. Any eye. Okay. We we will get to that when we get to your turn. There's one more goblin who acts before you, though, unfortunately. Okay. So that is his turn getting up to you. Another one who you heard referred to as Tweez is going to like kind of run to the side and pick up his bow and arrow. It's going to be his full action to like run over and kind of grab it uh, as it was a little far away. It, you know, it's like a bacoblin camp as they're... <laughs> running to get their stuff. So he is equipped with one, but um, does not have time to fire. Now it is your turn. Yeah, arrow to the eye of the uh, big goblin. So uh, this will be a short bow attack. It will be at disadvantage because uh, you are in close proximity using a ranged weapon, which mm-hmm. uh, is a little harder. So you will be rolling at disadvantage. Nine for short bow. As you kind of lift it up and take a shot, it shoots uh to the right of it right of him uh as he kind of is able to just dodge his head out of the way so uh that is your attack you do have a bonus action which as a reminder as a rogue one of the things you can do is disengage which lets you kind of move away from him uh without like provoking an attack from him yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try that uh yeah so you can disengage and you just want to move like 30 feet away yeah yeah all right, uh, you just hop away, get a little bit of a distance. Cool, cool. The goblin named Dulk is going to run at you. He's not able to get right up to you. He's able to get within 30 feet of you as, as you've moved away kind of on the outskirts of the camp. So he's gonna run up to you, but but not get right up to you. And then yeah, the other one, Tophis, is gonna run and grab his bow. Same thing where it was a little out of his distance to be able to shoot this round, but he has it. And lastly uh, of this round, Fairgood at this point, after you let out your scream, <laughs> you just hear Fairgood <laughs> saying, for the Fairgoods, and just runs through, <laughs> do, 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 breaks through and uh, is now standing in the camp. He is not able to get up to any of them yet. He is closest to Tweez though, when, when it is his turn. Okay. Back to the top is Golvar, who is going again to run up to you. This time he is close enough to get a hit on you. So he is going to swing the sword at you, which is a 21 to hit. Which your What is your AC? I'm sure it's below 21, unfortunately. 15, yeah. 15. So that'll hit you, and you'll take three slashing damage. Tweez is up. He's going to take a shot at Fairgood. Uh, and his arrow misses, so now it's your turn. Cool. So who's the closest goblin to me right now? Golver's right in your face. Dalk is about 30 feet away. And then, yeah, Tweez and Tophis are a little further away than that. I'm gonna grab my dagger uh, instead Mm -hmm. and try slashing at his knees. Okay. Uh, Roll the hit. Is that a nine or a seven? A nine. Okay. Unfortunately, a nine... Does not hit. No. <laughs> rough, rough rolls. <laughs> you swing and he's able to kind of just jump back as he like menacingly looks down at you. Mm. Uh, that's your action to attack. You do still have your bonus action and movement. Okay. Can I do the disengage again just to create some distance? Yep. 
Cool. So also as a heads up, uh, with your with that rogue ability, it lets you disengage and also it lets you instead you could choose to dash. Essentially how it would work is your movement is 30 feet, so you can move 30 feet away, and then you could also dash, which would be an additional 30. So that would get you 60 feet away in total, which might be good. The issue with that is it would provoke an attack of opportunity, so he'd get a free hit on you. Mm. Where disengage, you you don't move as far away, but you don't get hit. Okay. Uh, I'll stick just with disengage, but move towards okay. Fairgood. So you move 30 feet towards Fairgood, which probably puts you about 30 feet away from him. Okay. Yeah. Dalk is going to, because you move 30 feet again, kind of away from his direction, he's going to beeline it towards you. He's going to dash towards you and get up in your face and kind of like, you know, make a creepy goblin <laughs> uh, look at you. But uh, that that is his action to dash over so he does not uh, get to attack. And then Tophis is going to take a shot at you with his bow and arrow, uh, which is a 12 to hit. And you said 15's your armor class? Yeah, yeah. You kind of just... Put your cloak over and spin quickly to uh, have it just kind of the air move it enough to to move out of the way. Fairgood is up. He'll kind of look around uh, and see them kind of swarming at you and he will run up next to you. Yep. And take an attack on uh, Dalk who is standing there looking at you angrily. And he will hit with a 17 and do... Six points of damage to Dalk. Dalk is looking a little hurt. These goblins don't necessarily seem like the hardiest folk, but certainly in numbers, a little dangerous. Golvar is going to, on his turn after Fairgood is done, will run over to the two of you. Uh, his focus is still going to be on you over Fairgood. Yeah. As, as you tried shooting him in the eye and he didn't like that. <laughs> and he's going to make an attack on you. Uh, which is a 19 to hit, so that will hit. Yeah. And this one will do eight damage. Mm -hmm. A big hit as he slashes you. Okay. Do I have healing items? Is that, do the rations heal or is it? Rations will not heal. Okay. What I'll say, because we, we talked about this a bit before the game, uh, you you liking bugs quite a bit. Uh, there is one kind of bug that's been a little dangerous for you to eat. You feel like you sometimes overindulge. <laughs> but I'd say you have like maybe a little pouch of your favorite of millipedes, which you try to ration out as best you can and not use too much. <laughs> I won't say that they'll necessarily, they won't heal you, but they may have like a positive effect on you Okay. Uh, in battle. I'll try eating one of the millipedes and okay. I'll also disengage again. Is Fairgood next to me now? Yeah, Fairgood's standing next to you, and in front of you are Dalk and Govar. Uh, as you're eating a millipede, Tweez is going to take a shot at uh, Fairgood, but he misses. So yeah, so you are taking a millipede. <laughs> I'm going to roll a d20 to see what the effect will be. Okay. Of this millipede? Okay. <laughs> uh, you feel like just an energy kind of come over you. And, and just rushing to your head, that, that delicious taste of a millipede and, and the toxins inside of it that really seem to have an effect on bullywugs <laughs> uh, in a way that they definitely don't affect any other creature, but, but certainly um, 
helps you out a fair bit. I'll say that this is uh, probably the end of your millipede stash. You're probably down to just one at okay. this point, uh, saving along. But, you know, desperate times. What I'll say with this is you, you feel that rush and you can have uh, advantage on your next attack. Okay, cool. So you're disengaging, moving away. Is that the only action I can take apart from dash? Here's what I'll say. I'll say taking the millipede is going to be your bonus action. All right, cool. To use. You have your attack action still, and you could move, but you can't use the disengage if you're also taking the millipede. Is that large goblin still right in front of me? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll try the dagger again on his knees. All right. Uh, roll with advantage. 11. Wow, that's so garbage. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you miss um, on, on this attack. No. This is the worst starting combat a new player could ever have. Uh, <laughs> I was good at just, everything else. Just... <laughs> I, all, all the pre-stuff, nat 20, nat 20, nat 20. I know. Combat, terrible. Uh. Um, cool. That's you. Do you want to just stand your ground here next to Fairgood? You could try to run away a bit, but they would get attacks of opportunity on you, which yeah. might not be the best. Uh, I'll, I'll stay next to Fairgood. Cool. Dalk is going to put his focus on Fairgood, who, you know, just took a big hit on him. It's an 11, so he misses Fairgood. Fairgood blocks it with his shield. Tophis is going to take a shot at you, which is uh, 18 to hit. Yeah. And uh, low damage, though. Uh, three damage. Okay. So what are you down to now? Uh, 20, 21? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Fairgood is up. He is going to take another attack on Dulk. And unfortunately, he is going to take after you a bit here. <laughs> oh, and swing no. and his sword just gets uh, hit, hits in the dirt and he kind of like looks embarrassed <laughs> and you kind of look him over like he seems like he might have been decently trained growing up as many nobles are but as you're seeing him in action like yes he's trained enough and strong and hardy but maybe he hasn't had much practical experience <laughs> in his life up until the last couple weeks uh where he maybe has been forced into it a bit more yeah galvar is gonna make an attack on you a natural two though so that's definitely gonna miss mm. and then tweez is gonna take another shot at fairgood uh and that's a 14 which misses fairgood Cool. It is back to you. Okay. Can I equip my rapier instead? Yeah, just pull it out. You drop your dagger to the ground and then pull your rapier out. Yep. And I'm going to try slashing his knees again. <laughs> okay. Make a attack with your rapier. Uh, 13. Uh, 13 unfortunately just misses. No. No. <laughs> you swing, take your poke at it, and unfortunately it, it just barely misses. These rolls are rough. I know. This is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing your rolls are so good. Uh, okay. Uh, so so that is your action. You do still have your bonus action for disengaging and, and if you wanna run a little distance away, however you wanna approach it. I'll disengage. Is there a spot I can go to where Fairgood would be be between me and uh, the big goblin. Yeah, for sure. You can kind of move behind uh, blocking the path uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, duck down and, and run, get a little distance away. Cool. 
Dulk is going to take an attack on Fairgood. Uh, this time he will hit and do a little damage. And then Tophis is going to take a shot at you as he sees you kind of running away. 21 to hit. Yeah. And then uh, four damage. Okay. You're getting beat up. I know. I'm going to die. It <laughs> <laughs> would be so sad. <laughs> All right. Gulver is up. Yeah, he is going to start running towards you. His focus still on you, mm-hmm. uh, not wanting to let you get away. But as he takes a step forward, Fairgood gets an attack of opportunity, which uh, 16, so it hits. And he has the ability Sentinel, which when uh, you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, the creature's speed becomes zero for the rest of the turn. So he hits Galvar, who's trying to run at you, and stops him in his tracks. Gets a nice little hit on Golvar, who, who is not able to chase you. Tweez is gonna take a shot at Fairgood, which will hit him. Fairgood takes five damage. Fairgood's looking okay, but is definitely starting to be bloodied a bit and is looking a little overwhelmed. Okay. But still up and still hardy enough. You feel like it's your time. <laughs> <laughs> How far is uh, Golvar now from me? Uh, about 30 feet. I'll equip my short bow again. Okay. I'll use that on Golva. All right. Uh, 19. 19 hits. Hell yeah. <laughs> cool. Finally. Yes. So uh, how much how much damage is that? Seven piercing. Seven piercing. Okay. So yeah, you do seven piercing. Uh, he is also in combat with Farragut right now. So you get to use sneak attack. So you get to add another 2d6. Eight. Eight. Okay, so eight plus seven, 15 damn. Holy shit. That's a big fucking hit. Um, Yay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mi- missing a bunch on your first ones. Frustrated, you run back, pull your short bow, aim an arrow. You see Golvar kind of standing there with like a, a sword cut in his leg. Take your, you pull back, take the shot hit him in the chest, 15 damage. You see him fall down to the ground. He doesn't seem dead, but he seems knocked out. Okay. Between the damage you and Fairgood were able to do to him. Cool. The three other goblins kind of look over and seem panicked, but are are still trying to win this fight. Uh, Anything else you want to do on your turn? Could I just move? Towards the the one that's been firing arrows at you? Yes, yeah. Cool. Uh, Yeah. Next is Dalk, who is going to panically look down at Galvar on the ground. And you see him like yell out, no! And he jumps down and he's like looking up at you and at uh, Fairgood being like, we have not fought anyone who who has given us, I mean, we're goblins who steal things in the night. <laughs> we are not equipped with this. <laughs> uh, but you see him reach into a pouch that's on Golvar's side, kind of search through it, pull everything out. And you see him pull out one little red bottle that he uncorks and uh, pours down. Galvar's gullet, which seems to wake the big goblin up. Still looking hurt, but it seems like he has healed a little bit. Tophis, as he sees you kind of running towards him, panically uh, will lift his bow and take a shot at you. That is a natural three. Yeah, that'll miss you. (laughs) Uh, Kind of like he's a little (laughs) scared and uh, it it shoots way, way above you and then is going to kind of run back 30 feet away. (laughs) So he's about 60 feet from you. (laughs) Fairgood is going to see Dalk like kind of pouring this thing down Galvar's throat, trying to wake him up. And he's going to just take a big swing at this goblin. Uh, 
big hit. Sweet. Uh, he hits for seven damage on Dulk, which mixed with the previous hit that the goblin had taken, mm -hmm. knocks him down. Dulk yells out and kind of falls on top of Galvar uh, and is just starting to bleed a fair bit. <laughs> uh, Galvar is up and he's gonna mm. kind of blinking awake after getting this healing potion shoved down his throat. He's just gonna kind of push off Dulk unceremoniously, barely even caring. Not only did he save him, but almost maybe died for him. <laughs> and he is going to get up and take a big swing at Fairgood and he hits for eight damage. Fairgood is looking pretty rough now. Still up, but this slash kind of goes across his face, leaving a scar on his, you know, nearly perfect skin, and blood just starts coming down. And he seems pretty horrified by this, <laughs> and, and he's definitely looking hurt. I think Tweeze is gonna move his focus to you uh, instead of Fairgood. Yeah. That'll miss your 15. Cool. Now it's back to you. I, I think I have my short bow equipped, right? Yep. Yeah, so I'll use that on Dolk, I think it was. The one closest to death. Dolk is down on the ground. He's knocked out. Oh, he's just straight up. Dolk is knocked okay. out. Um, <laughs> I mean, Golvar, you assume, healed a bit. He is still looking pretty cut up. Okay, uh, I'll go for Golvar then. All right, uh, roll the hit. 12. 12, unfortunately, will miss. Ah. Uh. I can't believe how bad I know. You are. I can't it's believe tough. it. It's so rough. It's so rough. Why? Okay, cool. <laughs> Just trying to kill some goblins. So yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you will miss with that shot. You do still have your bonus action and your movement. Mm, I'll just move then. Yeah. Move out of the way. All right. Move a little bit out of the distance. Uh, far enough where Galvar probably can't run up to you. Yeah, yeah. Dalk is down on the ground, making death saves. Uh, <laughs> Tophus will shoot an arrow at you. 16 to hit for four damage. Okay. Uh, what does that leave me on? Like 10 or something? I think you're at 12? 13. You were at okay. 17 before, so 13. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking rough. You are... You are <laughs> yeah. This is certainly <laughs> the worst fight uh, I think Hopkins probably has ever been in, in his life. Uh. Definitely. The glass cannon, you know, I mean, you definitely can deal a fair bit of damage when when you hit. Mm. When I hit, yeah. When you hit. <laughs> Fairgood is going to kind of be looking at Galvar, uh, breathing heavy. Both of them kind of like looking at their last limb. It's almost as if whoever gets this next hit between the two of them will be the one left standing. So Fairgood is going to make an attack. <sighs> and unfortunately... Fairgood misses with his swing. Uh. He is going to use a bonus action to uh, use Second Wind, which is a fighter ability that heals him a little bit. Okay. He's definitely looking a fair bit hardier at this point, but still pretty hurt. Mm. He looks like maybe he could take two hits. <laughs> I mean, depending on the damage. <laughs> yeah. Of which Golvar will try to make one of them. Five damage. Fairgood still looking a little bit better than he did a moment before looking mm. hurt again. Oh. <laughs> I think Tweez will kind of see Golvar in trouble and trading blows with Fairgood and will take a shot at Fairgood. Uh, that's a nat one. Uh, his bowstring breaks <laughs> as, he, as he's pulling back. All right, back to Hopkins. I'm going to take another shot at Golvar with my short bow. Okay. Rolled the hit. 26. 
Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what's the damage on that? Five plus four piercing. So nine. Nine. Okay. And then you also, because it's, it's a critical hit, so you get to double damage, which is what the two rolls are for. You also get to add mm-hmm. sneak attack damage. So you get to add a total of 4d6. 10. Okay, so 10 plus 10, 19 total damage. Galvar takes his slash at Fairgood, who had just healed himself, and Fairgood's like looking bad again. And Galvar is uh, like feeling like the tide of the battle is maybe finally going their way after taking a big hit and getting hit hard. You take aim, and that first shot you took where you aimed for his eye, you look at that same spot again. Let the arrow loose and hits him right in the eyeball pierces through half his skull and he falls down to the ground, dead. Yeah, <laughs> sucker. All you needed to do is get a couple hits in. <laughs> <I know. laughs> a couple, the rogues, are so, <laughs> rogues do so much damage that if they're hitting, they're doing great, but yeah. I know, <laughs> oh, thank God. I'm glad he's dead. Cool, yeah. uh, Govar is dead. Dalk is knocked out. There's Tweez and Tophis who are both kind of like looking panicked. I'll say roll intimidation. Are you kind of trying to look like a badass a bit? Like, yeah, I think I think they're done for. So I'll, I'll yeah. roll intimidation. Okay. Uh, eight. It doesn't seem like you have necessarily scared them away just yet as they look, but they are mm. definitely looking a little panicked. Okay. Tophis is up. He is not giving up on this fight fully, but he's kind of running away. <laughs> Uh, trying to get away from you, but still taking a shot at you. Okay. So that's a 17 to hit. Mm-hmm. Four damage. Okay. What does that leave me on? Nine. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> rough. Okay. Fairgood is up. He's going to kind of survey the situation, see them kind of moving away and running, and he's going to yell out, You have no chance when it comes to fighting Fairgood and Anthony Hopkins. No chance at all. Which, uh, if you roll an intimidation on your next turn, I'll give you advantage uh, on on that. But for now, they're kind of like looking out a little scared. Uh, He's going to use his dash to get up to Tweeze. Can't make an attack yet, but he is right in Tweeze's face. So you get the sense also that Tweeze is kind of blocked off from shooting at you Mm -hmm. with with Fairgood blocking the way. And yeah, Tweeze is up next after Fairgood, and he is going to... You see him drop his bow and pull out a little dagger and make an attack of Fairgood. Uh, and Fairgood just kind of uses his sword to parry it out the way. It is back on you. What do you do? I'll try intimidating them again. Just give out your little uh, <laughs> scream of... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my weird frog scream yeah. and uh, tell him to eat shit or something. All right. <laughs> Roll intimidation at advantage. 18 for intimidation. As you see this, you give the loud shrill. You see the goblins kind of looking at uh, Galvar, who is dead on the ground, and Tophis just drops his bow and sprints into the swamp. Fairgood is kind of standing over Tweez, holding a sword up, and Tweez just holds his hand. No, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me! And Fairgood, uh, you know, (laughs) kind of puts his sword down. And then when it's Tweez's turn, he's gonna try to run unless you or Fairgood want to try to stop him. Nah, he can run. Okay, yeah. He runs <laughs> into the swamp as well. You have successfully finished the combat <gasps> with some really bad rolls, but then a couple very good rolls uh, <laughs> that, that helped you a lot. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, you you 
take a breath, look around the camp. Uh, you see some of the children getting up and like standing by the edge of the cages and, and Farragut runs over to one of them uh, and, and sees a girl maybe about 11, 12, brown hair that's uh, tied in a bun. Uh, her clothes are pretty raggedy at that this point from travel and Farragut kind of runs over and says, uh, Lady Amelia, are, 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 you, are you fine? Are you fine? And she nods like, thank you for saving me, Farragut. And he seems relieved to whatever knightly duty he has to her to have not failed in it. And he uses his sword to break the lock on her cage and the others. Uh, and then without even like asking you or looking at you or anything, he sees the bullywog cage and breaks the lock on that one as well. Frame. Oh, that's nice. I'll run up to the bullywog and ask if they're okay. Yeah. Uh, Dale will breathe. Hey, I didn't know you could fight like that, Hopkins. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, you missed a lot, but when you hit, you sure as hell hit. <laughs> uh, don't tell anyone back at the tribe about the misses, but uh, yeah, apart from that, you're you're good to go home. That's fair. Thanks. I'll uh, let them know you're safe, and kind of looks at uh, all the humans and and uh, let them know what happened to them. Cool. I'll also head over to Thurgood and uh, check on him, see how he's doing. Uh, he's looking pretty hurt, and, and you see the young girl, who's called Leah and, and Amelia, like, kind of looking him over, seeing his wounds. Uh, you know, she doesn't seem like she has any formal way to heal them, but she seems a little concerned for his well-being uh, as he kind of stands there doing his best, like, hero stance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and uh, as he sees you walk over, he gives you a look and a nod. It's just, Hopkins, um, this is my companion, uh, Amelia. And uh, she uh, looks over at you, seems a little weirded out for a moment, <laughs> but appreciative that you have helped save her. And she puts a hand out for you to shake. My hands are kind of slimy, so I, uh, I won't shake your hand, but I, uh, I appreciate the gesture and I hope you're okay. She nods. Thank you for helping save us. <laughs> I feel like I caused all this trouble, but I appreciate you. Um, Fairgood speaks highly of you. Oh, that's good to know. He uh, hated me at the beginning, but uh, that, that, that's nice that he likes me now. He kind of looks like, oh, <laughs> you noticed that? <laughs> like, like, oh. Um, and, and then he kind of gets his composure and, and she laughs a bit. She says, well, I hated him when we first met. So that's <laughs> how it goes sometimes. Perfect. I guess with that, uh, we can lead the children back to the town. You move along uh, through the swamp, kind of leading the way. Some of the children do seem a little wary of you at first because they certainly have heard stories of bullywogs in the night. But, you know, as children often do, are like the, the more accepting quickly enough as they see you hopping along and kind of like a few of them are like, oh, I want to do that too. I think also them seeing Amelia kind of take well to you it makes them a little easier with it all. Mm. And yeah, you all travel back feeling quite exhausted at this point. I'd say as you move along leading them, probably about time daybreak happens is when you all mosey back into town. Awesome. Are the townspeople sort of gathered near the front? Yeah, as as this kind of group of folks is coming, you see uh, various townsfolk like you know, various people that have been on the watch and have been waiting for your return there. And certainly a few families have been notified that like 
you and Fairgood went out to find some goblins. Uh, so a lot of people are kind of waiting outside. And as soon as the children kind of like crest a little hill that you all walk through, like some parents like just start running towards them. And, you know, the kids uh, run towards their families as well and embrace. And all in all, very happy to, to be back home and safe. I'll pull out that poster for the missing child. And uh, my eyes will sort of uh, focus on the words reward. <laughs> yeah, you pull that out. Uh, I, I'd say Fairgood probably notices you doing that and says, yes, we can talk to some of the families after, you know, they all uh, properly reunited. And and yeah, the two of you wait a bit until Fairgood is kind of like, this is a good time. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the Donald family uh, who put the ma- who have been putting out the flyers that say reward eventually come over to you and Fairgood. And at first they're like... A, dressing fair good until he says well none of this would have been possible without my companion here antony and they kind of like look at you uh, and then like look back at him and then look at you and say um well the reward um we have some gold and we've talked to some of the other families who are very happy to pool some gold together to give as well so and they hand out a bag this is a paltry sum for giving us the thing we care most about but hopefully it helps you on your way and you will always have a safe place here in our town. Thank you so much. They hand you a bag of a hundred gold. Hmm. But, um, I can't accept this. There's something else I actually want. And, uh, it's millipedes. Do you have any millipedes? Uh, as they like are holding the bag of gold out for you. <laughs> um, m- um, m- millipedes. <laughs> kind of between. Um, I-, I think they're, m- sometimes are sold at the general store to be used for fishing. <gasps> okay, that's that's perfect. I want all the millipedes you can get me. Um, not one to, like, uh, when, when uh, offered to keep their gold, not one to refuse that, you know. <laughs> Take it back and we can make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some time passes as they go to the general store and certainly spend way less than a hundred gold to get like a little bag of millipedes that are being sold there, uh, typically for fishing. They also like tell a few kids that you want millipedes and you know, the families kind of go around looking under rocks uh, <laughs> in, in different places to find some and collect them. And uh, you know, uh, by the end of it, it's it's a smaller bag than the hundred gold, but it is a sizable bag of millipedes, more millipedes than you've seen in your life in one place. This is amazing. This is the best thing ever. Hell yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to take these millipedes and I'm going to go back to my swamp and live my best life. <laughs> All right. As soon as you came into their lives, uh, you get ready to exit it. As you hop away, Fairgood kind of pulls you aside and like bends over. Says, Thank you for the help. You gave me hope that I needed in a place I didn't expect it. Thanks, dude. Thanks for the millipedes. You see him kind of pull off one of like his gauntleted hands and he has a golden bracelet on there and he takes it off and tries to like kind of put it on your wrist if you don't move away. Yeah, I'll I'll let him put on the bracelet. A sign of my gratefulness and my debt to you. Oh, thank you. Uh, Do you want any millipedes? I've got loads to share. I'm, I'll be all right. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, suit yourself. I got more for me anyway. Now I'll hop off into the distance. <laughs> yeah, you hop off into the distance. And I think that's a great spot to end this session. 
Yay, I survived. (laughs) Barely. Oh, that was close. You had a good like attack plan that just fell apart so quickly. I know. Well, I'll be honest. I didn't really have a plan. I was was making random moves. Yeah, but like being stealthy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess. (laughs) Well, well, I tried that. And whenever it failed, I just screamed. So. Yep. (laughs) The the natural... The natural cause of things. Well, Maria, thank you so much for playing. Uh, th- this was a blast. It was fun to see Antony's uh, adventure. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. This is a, uh, yeah. a very special experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for all of you still listening, I, I appreciate you, and, and I hope you have a great day and or night. And I will see you in the next thing. Bye. Bye. It's that time again. Let's see what's going on with the heroes of Cortia. First, we have Pumpkin, a forest gnome trained in both the arcane and roguish arcs. A member of a guild called Schism, she's been lending out her services as a detective of sorts. The guild was kind enough to pay for a building she could work out of. The downside, though, was the only place they could afford to buy one was in Belen, which isn't exactly the most active of cities in Cortia. So business had been slow. Most days, Pumpkin sat in her office, tossing a ball to her badger Snuffles, who only cared to grab it about half the time. But one day, the chimes at the front door rang out, and a woman came in. She took a seat and said, I have no way to prove it, but I think my husband may be the clear water killer. Pumpkin sat forward in her seat, excited for a job. Next is Aurora of Winter, a tabaxi paladin under an oath of blindness, who last we saw had agreed to fight in a trial by combat for a young man accused of murdering the Reese of a small hamlet. Aurora stood in the middle of the arena, which was no more than a circle drawn in the dirt. The sound of clinking armor rang out across from her. A voice spoke up, giving instructions, but Aurora only had ears for her opponent. Then a yell came from the voice, and the clink of armor quickly came closer, followed by the swoosh of a sword. She easily stepped to the side and made an exploratory strike with her right hand. Plate mail. That only left a few options. She heard a grunt followed by more armor clanking and another swoosh of a sword. This time, she ducked and spun to the right, listening for his breathing. After a second, she found it and sprung towards him, extending one clawed finger. The man's scream came the moment she made contact with his eye. She then heard the sound of a sword dropping and of a man's voice conceding. Hatton the half-elf, who recently found himself on the trail of a beast, spent the better part of a day following occasional claw prints, broken tops of trees, and singed earth. The party he had been traveling with all went back to town except for Kelia, a halfling paladin of Timora who couldn't in good conscience let Hatton go alone. The two got to know each other a bit, and the seeds of a friendship started to form. It was right as when they were beginning to set up camp for the night that they saw a flash of flame in the distance, and heard the screech of what Hatton knew to be a dragon. Then there is Virgil Bowerstone, who while exploring the lost ruins of Bienstpola with his party, encountered an abolith deep beneath the ground. As the aberration towered above them, the bite on his neck began to burn, causing him to fall to his knees as the rest of the party leapt into action. The bard struck his loot, creating an aura around the fighter who ran headlong towards the beast. The sorcerer spun back and whispered ancient words beneath her breath, unleashing a blast of icy powers. The rain 
ranger knocked an arrow and aimed for one of the beast's three eyes. Virgil, however, could not move. Interesting. Tozier the Jagged walked alongside the young boy he had found in the ruins of an old ship. Neither of the two were up for much conversation, but Batozier had learned the boy's name was Rylan, and that he had been on a Dunn transport ship that had been attacked at sea. His parents had been with him, but he lost track of them during the attack. Tozier decided to watch the boy until they either found his family or a suitable place for him to stay. So, they walked the coast, speaking of small things, and of course, also of the divine light of Arathea. Then we have Nizima Alta, a rat folk fighter currently in the capital of Brana, about to run a heist. After winning a bar fight against some half-elves, she caught the attention of her contact, who pitched the job to her. A gala held only for the highest of nobility, where a precious ancient necklace would be on display. Of course, that was only the decoy target that would be used to draw attention away from the actual target, the one deeper in the castle, the one Nizima would be tasked to get. Lastly, we have Lyra, a drow bloodhunter searching for the man who had freed her. After getting a hold of her senses in the temple, she sat for a long time, contemplating what to do next. The children of Decay were dangerous, and a part of her knew that she needed to do something about them. But she hadn't even been able to escape on her own. So could she even do anything? She also thought of Dara, who she owed her life to. Would he need her saving now? She flipped the coin he had given her over in her hand, and in that moment, decided what to do. It only took an hour to find the party she had traveled with to get to Lens. She took a deep breath and said, Do you have space for one more in your group? This time, for good. Yorma, the young cleric of Bahamut, stepped forward and smiled. Of course. Along with the heroes of Cortia, I'd also like to thank the citizens of Allhearth, who are currently voting on how to handle the problem of a beast that has been getting too close to the town. The attendants expected at the next meeting are Adustus, Bladed SK, Boss Hunter 9, Cal Snidely, Coffeeberry, Elliot Horton, Ethan Hill, Fiduge, Gleb Borjewski, Grizzly Melon, Jack Weird, Joachim Dahlquist, Kyle Courtney, Ming, Nurzbone, Phil Emarg, Preston Metters, Rami Kabi, Ruka, Savara, Seth Rollman, and Softstar. May you make the best choice to protect all Hearth. Anyway, have a great day and or night, and I'll see you in the next one.